Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. I was wondering, Tom, now that we're recording, are we not recording? Or is this, is this the pre-show we're going to allow everyone to hear? I'm, rec- I'm recording. I don't know if We're recording here. You're recording there. This, this is going to be great. Going to be awesome. Going to be fantastic. Uh, going to be sexual. Going to be super. This marks the first time that I've been at Talking Tesla Studios in, I don't know, six months? I think it's been And you know how the months? audience can tell? How? You know how because the they can hear like me. You don't sound like yeah. I, I don't sound like I'm. I'm not broadcasting from the toilet. You know, it seems like every week there, every show there is something that goes wrong. There was something that went wrong in this show, Robert. Just at the very beginning, I couldn't hear you for like 15 minutes. That's right, because so, Mel like, had to give me actual audio equipment to use to talk to you. Uh huh. You know, uh-huh. this is a complicated yeah. beast. This podcasting. It is. Yeah. No. It's. Very, very complicated. We make it very complicated so the average Joe Schmo on the streets can't do it because basically uh, we don't want to hear what they have to say. What? No, that's not true. I don't know. It's not actually that complicated because imagine there are, I don't know, 750 million podcasts (laughs) and there's only like 6 billion people on the planet. So like almost... 20% 20% of humans have their own podcast at this point. And we've we've had a podcast for like five years. Well, so. I feel great that I can at least match most of those podcasts by broadcasting from inside a toilet. <laughs> yes, that is, that is weird. Yeah. But there are a lot of very popular podcasts out there. Uh, we won't mention any of them because, well, they're already popular. Yeah, some so worth, what, them. $200 million or something? Mm-hmm. That's kind of yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Some worth more. Really? Some are getting $200 million, but aren't worth $200. Uh, I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is uh, just... But that's just mean spirit. No, but I did the math on this, actually. If the Joe Rogan podcast is worth $100 million, and if you do the math on how many people listen to his show versus how many people listen to Talking Tesla, and you do the math, we are actually, it's interesting, we are actually worth 15 cents. <laughs> <laughs> that is... That is amazing. I can't. So that's like a nickel each, or is that ten cents for you and me and Robert split the? No, other? I'm taking the ten, and you guys split the five. Which <laughs> three hundred years ago could have that, been a lot. That of money. seems <laughs> exactly. I I totally. Agree. It's amazing. So I started off singing to you like I was in an opera because on the drive here, Tom, it was impressive. Uh-huh. I got to hear you speak like an entire complaint about us not having a zoom link (laughs) i'm sitting in traffic which is amazing since we have a pandemic going on and there's Uh like so much traffic on the 101 freeway it was almost stopped but yeah i still managed to get here with just 10 minutes after the hour so 
You did. And then 10 minutes after that, we were able to record. And now we're here, here we are. together. So you were going to tell me your history of singing opera. Yeah. So there, oddly enough, so you asked me the question, like, uh, do you have experience singing opera? And I used to, on occasion, once or twice a year, maybe spend the entire day in the photo studio interacting with my co-workers in opera can you get me the doll please bring me the light from over the corner this is like literally for eight hours people really wanted to kill me seriously <laughs> like, but i but i stuck with it because well i don't know i guess i'm just annoying i didn't have any uh siblings growing up i'm an only child so i feel like maybe i I just was making up for lost time. Oh, it wasn't that you were seeking attention overly aggressively? Oh, wait, maybe there was that. Yeah, could have been that. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Which is weird because I'm also socially awkward. So, Well, I'm, a, I'm not I'm a lot of that. things. I'm a lot of things, Robert. Robert, you have like facial hair, even though you're supposed to be wearing N95 masks on occasion. Yeah, I haven't strapped an N95 mask to my face for something like 16 days, which is, it's amazing, but it's also kind of sad. I feel sad. This is a uh, sort of a vacation time for me. You know, September, it's not as hot as August. Uh, was hoping to do some backpacking with my son in either the local San Gabriel Mountains or up in the Sierras. But unfortunately, everything is aflame and the air quality is horrendous. And then we had actually thought of, as an alternative, driving up to like Seattle or Portland and just knocking around. And again, everything's on fire. It's just horrific. You could have gone out to Utah. So we were supposed to go camping last weekend in the Sierras as well. And of course, it's all closed down. So some of my camping cohorts, compatriots, drove to Utah to a little strip of forest between Bryce and Zion. And they loved it. it clear air because our tornado smoke of storm apparently only goes to France. It doesn't go to Utah. Yeah, you uh, saw that, that so I put that in the, uh, I put I that in a dock. That. That was crazy. That's called a Segway, Robert. That's what that's called. So I threw in a smoke, uh, vertically integrated smoke assessment that I pulled off. I think it was Twitter because somebody in one of the channels that I was following or the, the Twitter feed that I follow was uh, showing how the intense smoke that is all up and down the West Coast and goes out to sea for hundreds of miles just manages to like catch the jet stream and get funneled straight across to Europe. And it's all like socked in over Western Europe. And the air quality in Paris is as bad as it is here in Los Angeles, which is We're sorry, it's, Paris. It's Scotland here. It's Scotland. Will you Californians stop burning down? It's terrible over here. It's <laughs> Ah, it's terrible. <laughs> but it's a live, it's a live, like you can see, it's a live indicator of how interconnected this planet actually is and how in the past when, let's say, a giant meteor hit the earth and like put up a whole bunch of stuff or a big giant volcano exploded, how it really can blanket the earth due to just the earth's natural cycles of moving air around and how... Again, how interconnected we are. We and so, are the world. Uh, 
A, we're sorry that we pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord, especially since then we decided to dump a bunch of smoke on Paris on top of it. Yeah. Sorry, sorry Paris. It's impressive. I went, uh, this is not intended to be uh, abbreviating the show by my going to media picks, but I will tell you about my media pick later. I actually went to the movies last Friday. What the... the yeah. What's wrong with you? You're a doctor. <laughs> Dude, it's all about situational awareness. You can't live in a bubble and He had and a pepper thrive. and a N95 and full PPE. And no. uh, it was great. No, last Tuesday, they opened up the theaters in Orange County because their cases per 100,000 fell below. I can't remember what the threshold was, uh, like 2,000, 200. I don't remember what it was, but California has this old algorithm as to which counties can be open. And so Orange County opened up bowling alleys and movie theaters and the new Tenet movie came out, which is a Christopher Nolan film, which uh, defies explanation, but I'll tell you about it later. And uh, so I had to see it. So I went last Friday, I scoped out the IMAX theater. The closest one was like 50 miles away. So I drove to Yorba Linda, home of a president, not a glorified president but home of one of our presidents. And while I was after the theater, I had lunch and I was sitting there watching this. They put pictures, drone pictures of San Francisco to the music from Blade Runner 2040 or 2049. And it looked both surreal and real and horrific. And as I'm watching it, the ash is falling onto my cell phone. That was one of the most remarkable experiences I've had in the recent past. Yeah, I was wondering, you know, it'd be yeah. great to see what 2049 would be really look like. And now I get to see it now. Yeah, probably worse than what they showed in the movies. It's a bit upsetting. When I looked out, I, you know, the orange haze made me think of what it would be like to be on Mars. But at least I was able to breathe our atmosphere. Where on Mars that wouldn't work. Well, this morning I woke up and I swore I was on Tatooine because there was this blood yes. red thing there. It's like what? We only the? have one sun, Mel. That's ridiculous. Tatooine. That's has true. Tatooine had two. My bad. Come on. And then I threw in another uh, image that I pulled off the internet that showed France had set its hottest September day record. Period. Record, period. Yeah, but in, it was only 37 degrees. So, like, I mean, that's not cold. very hot. Yeah, 37.9, which for those of us in the United States is 100.2, which seems what? like completely mellow because here I am in Woodland Hills where a week ago it was 117, I think. 120. We broke a little record there. 120. Yeah. It's a wow. bit upsetting. How much of the pool water was gone on a day like that? You walk outside on a day like that, and it's hard to breathe. And at the same day in Death Valley, they clocked their highest temperature, which is 130 degrees. Now, there's one that's from 100 years ago that's supposedly higher, but most meteorologists say that that was bogus. Bogus, yeah. That, um, that the one that just occurred was the hottest day on record. So there you go. Right. Um, the place is on fire. But, you know, there's a certain person who says it's fine. It's going to get cooler again. Oh, yeah, it is. When the Ice Age comes, after we're all dead. Yeah. Pretty sad. 
pretty sad. I, but I have some really, I have some really warm coats, so I'm kind of hoping I can ride out the old ice age situation. You know, it's impressive with all this smoke in the air how much cooler it got right away. In other words, it was like 20 degrees cooler here, at least where I live, than it was being forecast only because of the smoke in the air. So I was wondering to myself, I didn't ask anybody who really knows, wondering how much the temperature has dropped in like the Western United States because of all of this smoke and people thinking, well, you know, maybe the smoke isn't so bad. It's going to help global warming or it's going to keep them from wanting to conserve or buy an electric car or install a power wall or do anything that helps to reduce their carbon footprint because well, of when the, this yeah when this happened in Australia with the huge fires that were in Australia that seemed like 20 years ago but was about 7 months ago the same kind of ridiculous fires the crikey mate they were talking to a meteorologist there who said yeah well in the short term it's good mate because it's cooler but in the long term, it's terrible because you've just dumped an extraordinary amount of carbon into the atmosphere. So while in the short term you feel better, you're just accelerating uh, the long term. So right. there you go. And the amount of carbon that was released in Australia was like the equivalent of like five years of cars driving. In the, it was just an extraordinary amount. Now, I haven't heard the amount of carbon estimates for the California, Oregon fires, but it's going to be just about a trillion Teslas worth of saved carbon. Three million acres plus. Three million acres plus. Oh, it's just staggering. So, all right, let's uh, let's not talk about this anymore because it's just sad hey, and depressing. Hey, let's just just remember that, that I reported happening. on. I reported on a scientific article from a couple of months ago that said, um, with global warming, that these fires in California are going to continue to get worse, continue to get bigger, and by twenty seventy yeah. or before, there will be no forests in California. There will be no time right. for them to regenerate. It will be brush land. Thank you. And uh, yeah. and let's yeah. And and I heard, and I'll just say this one thing. I heard somebody say something about it's piss poor forest management and not necessarily global warming. What I would like to point out to that human being that was on a major network television show and no one called him on is that the, in parts of the Sierras near Shaver Lake, there are 33 million dead trees due to drought-related causes. Uh, that's global warming. Without that happening, without that particular thing happening, these fires maybe aren't quite as bad, even with poor forest management, which I will give you. But let's not pretend that this whole thing is being caused by the fact that for 30 years we, we just put out every fire. It's being caused by the fact that you have a smallish area with 33 million dead trees and a piece of lightning hit it and it went up like, yeah, can you say surprising. bark beetle? Yes. It, it's amazing to me how good the modeling has been. I mean, all of these things have mm -hmm. been predicted and then they improve the modeling all the time. But in Australia years ago, talking about the fires they had there and it was like he, the, the scientists that were sort of giving these spiels to the parliament were laughed out like this couldn't happen. And then, you know, seven months ago, Australia has exactly yeah. what they predicted. You. Just not very much elevation of the temperature, although California's gone up by, I think, four degrees since the beginning of last century. Um, Fahrenheit and you start or Celsius. To just have these events. Fahrenheit. You know, it's global one degree, but different places get warmer faster than others, and other places it's over 10 degrees. So it's, it's a disaster. And what just is so upsetting to me is that there are still orange-headed idiots that uh, – 
pretend that this is not happening. And it's honestly, I've said it before, this is crimes against humanity. Um, if we survive this, ultimately, there are groups of people who, with their disinformation campaigns, um, should be brought before a uh, the world court. This is really crimes against humanity. You're destroying entire freaking planet because you're full of crap. I'm very right, and there was an article. Um, uh, I didn't put it in because we already had so much here, but where there were a bunch of oil and gas executives who were at a conference together this year, and they had made these offhanded comments in like they were truthful. They were in a closed room, but somebody was recording it and they were talking about all of the flaring that takes place that when they drill for oil, the gas is more of a nuisance than it is something that they care about. And it's a, an expense because there are penalties for just releasing that methane into the atmosphere. So they have to flare it. And they talked about how much methane they were flaring. And it was literally um, more than a ton. It was. And that's not factored into any of those calculations, right? Of like how much carbon these oil companies are releasing with crude right. oil. It's just, it's just well, a whole other like but, invisible aspect to this. But right? don't worry about it. We repealed, we re we wound down, we took away the Obama. Um, let's check how much methane you're actually leaking into the air when you're doing this stuff. We don't do that anymore because right. you know we don't worry about that. And this it. is we sort of connected. Independence. This is sort of connected to this first article where it's uh, from inside EVs. Electric cars indirectly admit much less carbon than previously reported. And I Did thought you this, hear that, people? Did you hear what he just said? Repeat that, Robert. Please repeat that, Robert. Electric cars indirectly admit, emit much less carbon than previously reported. And I thought this was a really important article because it gives the listeners and the EV community as a whole a really good, I don't know, bat to swing back at those people who say, oh, electric cars are a fallacy. There's so much carbon emitted when you make the batteries and they're just being run off of coal-fired power plants. So they're not at all better than regular cars or hybrids. And it's all BS. So this is a Dutch study from Eindhoven University of Technology, uh, and they claim that so far all the numbers that have been promulgated about EVs versus ICE cars, uh, even the best ones, are wrong, very wrong. And they looked at six main mistakes that were made in these stu studies that had been published all the way back to like 2010, 2013 up until present, including 2019, that say that these studies that got so much press coverage are so error-filled. Like, so six points. One, they exaggerate the estimate of the carbon released by battery production. Uh, a recent study on carbon emission from battery production showed that the reduction uh, with new manufacturing techniques is 50% from 175 kilograms of carbon per kilowatt hour to 87 that's 50 percent reduction so right there does that include my does that include mining or just the production process do you know my understanding it's from soup to nuts from the beginning to uh okay. the battery in the car then estimating the battery packs lifespan 
So one of the original studies that they uh, many people have looked at showed that batteries in cars have a lifespan of 150,000 kilometers or 93,000 miles. But as Mel will say, all they were looking at was Nissan Leafs. Exactly. <laughs> They're only about 10 times better now. Right. And so the, the idea of the million-mile battery is been on the horizon and is now arriving from uh, CATL, the Chinese battery manufacturer, from Tesla, from a company called S-Volt. And so, you know, going from 93,000 miles battery life expectancy to a million miles, that's a tenfold increase. And I guess you could say, you know, is a, another huge factor in correcting the misstatement that EVs are worse or at best yeah, equal to ice cars. An actual order of magnitude. Right. And I still feel like a million mile battery is is not real real because no no car is going to last a million miles. Like you're not going to be able to drive. Like I love the Model 3 and it's made with some good materials and some other materials. And there's just no way that thing's holding up for a million miles. I know, but you just take it no out after 300,000 and slap it in the next car. Right, but 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 they're not doing that, right? Like you really feel like Tesla. Like if I called Tesla and I was like, "Hey, I need a new Model Three. Uh, can I get one without a battery?" That that they're gonna do that, or they're gonna be like, "Oh, just drive your car up here, and we'll swap the battery on the line for the new one." That would be well, cool. Look they're gonna happens. have to because you're right. Because the the other materials in a car are not gonna last a million miles. The seats and everything are gonna have to be replaced. So uh, it's a really what are they going to do? I don't know, recycle it or put it in a new car or turn it into storage. But the 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 box of the car is going to last a lot less longer than the battery of the car. And that's good. That's good. Yeah. Unless you do that million miles in like a five-year period, right? In a rideshare situation, right? Then then I could see that happening. If you're, you know, uh, what, what we, did, we did some stories, I think, in the past on New York cabs doing like a couple hundred thousand miles a year, whatever that that number is so so if you could do that over the course of five years you know maybe you got to replace a seat here and there but but just that in in that scenario a car will last a million miles sure but But i remember like mercedes always made big to do uh they would give these different colored badges to the front that you'd put on the front of your mercedes for like Uh a quarter million a half million and a million miles and i know somebody who had a million mile mercedes and i understand that is certainly not every mercedes cars the chance that car is going to get demolished in an accident (laughs) before it reaches a million miles pretty darn high based on the way we drive I was a member of the high mileage club with my Volvo 240DL and it uh-huh. had 200. I bought it with 130,000 miles on it and got a 100,000 mile badge. And then I got the 200,000 mile badge and I sold it for with like 250,000 miles on it. So, so, so um, the difference is those ICE cars had a lot more moving parts than the Teslas do. Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, I think that a lot of Teslas will probably last a long time. And where do a lot of cars go when it doesn't meet our standards in the first world? They go south of the border. They go to Mexico, South America, to Africa, to the less well-off countries and are resold there. There's like entire, you know, shipping vessels that are full of these, I don't know, 
yeah. uh, previously loved cars. And so how many Tesla, what's the opportunity for these Teslas with seats that are worn or creaky or with windows that don't quite work so well, you know, going to these lesser well-off nations to be used there. So I think a million mile battery is great. I'm excited about that, which we'll talk about in a few minutes about battery day. But let me just touch on the other things like the third assumption they made, which was that the power grid uh, is, you know, got so much carbon in it. And uh, many of these studies, they all said, or they all were working from the assumption that the power grid would never improve, that it was static. But just at the beginning of this month, September 1st, Bloomberg published that solar and wind represented two-thirds of all new power capacity added in 2019. And so this is worldwide, worldwide, not just in the States. Two-thirds of the power that was added to the worldwide electrical grid was renewable. And that fossil fuel sources shrunk 25% in a single year. That's pretty fantastic. So if you're driving an electric car, you are charging off of more renewable sources, even if you don't even pay attention, like you don't have your own power wall, your own solar panels, your own windmill, you're getting it. And there are, of course, some pockets like, I don't know, West Virginia, where that may not be the case, but it's changing and it's changing on a wholesale basis. The fourth thing they said was that a lot of the tests that were done comparing ICE cars to EVs were done at, at the expense of automakers. So automakers, you know, they come out, they're the ones who are supposed to show how many miles EPA the car gets. They're paying for all these tests. And there's some governmental oversight where they, you know, standardize things and they kind of maybe observe. But these tests are being done by people who have a vested interest, which they argue in this article could have skewed the results in favor of the companies producing the tests because no, their profit no. centers, General Come Motors, on. Ford, their profit centers are in ICE cars. But they all make, they're all in on EVs. You hear it time and time again. All these companies, they're all, how could they be skewing data and be all in on EVs, Robert? It doesn't make any sense. How much CO2 is generated uh, when making batteries, yes, they put that into the studies, but they don't include the data of how much CO2 is generated when you're distilling the crude oil into its derivatives of gasoline and diesel. So distilling gasoline out of crude oil adds 30% more emissions, 30%. So take what comes out of the tailpipe, third of that, 30% of that has been already admitted on top of that, from the distillation process, and it's only slightly better with diesel, 24% more emissions come. Emissions, I want to say that correctly. Emissions come from the distillation process. And lastly, combustion engines, they, they cannot get more efficient. Like, the, they've sort of plateaued in how good the fuel injection, the catalytic converting, the various methods that are used to squeeze more of the energy out of the fuel source, they're not going to get much better. 
And in fact, the truth of the matter is that so much of that energy that comes from the gasoline is just lost in heat, and that can't be changed much further, whereas an EV is efficient from the start because they don't generate all that excess heat, which is just lost and wasted. And then I added that none of these considerations take into account the reduced maintenance, the fewer parts. I'm like, how many parts has your cars, have your EV cars actually required? You know, like they take off brake pads. What do they do with the used ones? They throw them in the landfill. They take out, you know, uh, spark plugs. They take out, you know, spark plug wires and distributor caps, or I don't know, all the different parts, the extra filters and the oil that gets changed every so many thousand miles. All that stuff is trash. It caused, uh, it could took carbon to make it. And now we're just going to use the landfills to store it, which much of it has got some toxicity to it. And so EVs require so many fewer parts and replacements when it comes to the drivetrain and the brakes. So go out and buy an EV. Yeah, well, I read, you know, that it's, there was a, What's his, what they call an environmental engineer saying, it's actually likely that in the next few years that EVs will be at least 10 times less polluting than um, gas cars because of all of the things you've said, because of the increasing generation of all of the fuel as being renewable. For example, I never, you know, my all my fuel is renewable at this point. Um, the fact that people like Elon are really pushing miners to go to a fully electric mining system instead of a diesel-based mining system, that uh, could be absolutely enormous as well. So you, you put all of those things together and your EV is way cleaner. And as the Elon has said many times, as you get a cleaner and cleaner grid, that car gets cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. But the gas car never gets cleaner. It's always dirty. Very nicely done, Robert. Yeah, I thought that was... Go buy an EV. That's an inside EVs story. And, And, uh, you know, truck semi-trailers even better. And so we need a lot of electric semi-trailers. We've got some good ones. Nicola has got a really great one, except... It only works when you push it downhill. (laughs) This was blowing up all over social media. In fact, uh, last night I was on the Tesla Club Los Angeles board of directors call and somebody asked me, because I do this podcast, I said, Robert, uh, are you holding on to your Nikola stock? you know, for the, for the truck manufacturer? And I said, nah, I think I'm just going to hold on it and let it coast which (laughs) is the basics of this. There's been this back and forth, right? There was a lawsuit. They're fighting between Tesla and Nikola over uh, technology being used in their truck. The guy who runs Nikola, Trevor Milton, has been sort of called out a few times as misstating and underperforming and just kind of like this sort of like a, a bit of a, feels uncomfortable. And uh, originally, this was a truck that was supposed to revolutionize transportation, but the thing was like a fuel cell. It was electric and fuel cell, which to me kind of smacked of an ugliness because, you know, most of the hydrogen that's being used in all of these fuel cell cars comes from methane, natural gas. And uh, it's just a fallacy that somebody's making hydrogen from water and sun. That's just not happening. And so what happened in the last week is that Nikola made all of these 
boasts about their truck, and it turns out that there was a lot of flim-flam. They have not adequately replied to the questions that a number of investors have made, such as this commercial that they show, where this beautiful sleek truck is out, I don't know, somewhere in the Southwest, big basin uh, with desert all around and the truck is just going beautifully and stops at a stop street and or at a intersection out in the middle of nowhere and there's drone footage and all this stuff and it turns out that the grade on that road is like a one or two percent downhill but from the angles you see and what you see i never even suspected that or i guess i'm just freaking gullible that i wouldn't think that some company would throw a vehicle on a road that is sloping downward, have no motor pushing it, and film it as if the goddamn thing is running. That's getting crazy. It just really got me <laughs> I going. Thought it was thought it was awesome. Now we want <laughs> we want this we want this truck company work. We want all low emission vehicle companies to work, but that was uh boy, did you think that nobody was gonna find out? You don't. Yeah, and plus, <laughs> plus, it just it makes everybody question everything EV companies are doing. I mean, we do enough of that on this show, <laughs> questioning <laughs> EV companies. So, like, I get it, but at least we're we want them to succeed. We're just very skeptical of what they're doing because we just keep hearing over and over again different uh, information that turns out to not be true. But you can't do stuff like this. Come on, like. There are people who have put their hard-earned money into this company, and this is just not helpful. It's not helpful for that aspect of it, and it's definitely not helpful for, you know, again, electrifying America as we move yeah, forward. And I'm just glad that, you know, ice car companies don't do stuff like this. Like, they don't, um, they don't you know, fake diesel emissions or something like that. I, I mean, that doesn't happen. So, you know... Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. hey, hey, but there was a car that was revealed this week. There was? That is very exciting that I, I Okay, think we first off, it wasn't actually revealed this week. It was they revealed. Just, it wasn't. It was re. It, it maybe it was re-revealed. Maybe it's it was re-revealed. I think it might have been re-revealed. <laughs> so many reveals. I think I, I remember being at a reveal party for this vehicle like... I don't even know how long ago. It's been three years, maybe, at at the Peterson. Uh, and it was wonderful back then, but we're still waiting. <laughs> Anywho, you Mel would... is very excited about this vehicle because it has what he refers to as <laughs> cool technology. Yeah, there's, one, a number. Wanna... there's one number that Mel <laughs> yes. gives a crap about when right. it comes like, to the That's Lucidaire. actually a good point, Mel. Let, before we get into that, is it... Is it cool technology or is it this one number that Robert is referring to that really made you excited about this vehicle? There's one number. There's just one right. number. And I can give you the number that would make you unexcited about this video vehicle. So your number is 517. Yeah. My number is 160,000. <laughs> your number's bigger than my number. Uh, your number is range. My number is price. So uh, if you had, again, if you could get a Model Y with 517 miles of range and they were like, hey, dude, 160K, 
Would your answer be, sure, bring it on? No, you'd be, yeah, are you out of your you. mind? I'm not buying it. But I'm excited <laughs> because right. this is the guy that built uh-huh. the Model S. Um, what's his not, name? Not by hand. No. Not by hand. What's his name? Peter Rawlington. So he worked on the Model S, really was the genius behind the Model S. Elon walked in one day and said, hey, what do you think of our design? He's like, it's terrible. Let's redo the whole thing. And so they redid the whole thing. So this guy's for reals. He's uh, he's a player, but they've got incredibly uh, efficient motors. It's only got 113 kilowatts. It looks like it's um, you know nearly 20% more efficient than a Tesla. The reason I love this is because you know that uh, Elon is like, this cannot stand. We must have a car with more range. And I suspect on battery day, one yes. of the things that they'll reveal is that one of their cars is going to have 550 miles of range. And this is the kind of pissing on each other that I like. It's called a roadster. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be That's the true. S and the X. I think the S is going to hit it. But let's finish talking about the Lucid Air, which we saw revealed on September 9th. It's a pretty slick looking car. Re, 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 re reveal. Right, re, exactly. Re, 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 113 re, re, kilowatt hour battery, 570 mm-hmm. miles of range. Oh, CCS, 17, 17, 17, yeah, 517. CCS charging. Uh, which is going to be free for three years, but that's that has to do with your one hundred and sixty thousand number. Um, they say it's electro. Hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. Uh, for Electrify America, so that means at both Electrify America charging stations across the world, you'll be able to charge for free for three years. Okay. <laughs> there's more stations than that. Yeah, you, there's a lot more stations. Yeah. But that's not three fifty. I know there is, but that's not funny. Yeah. Not at three fifty, probably. Yes, <laughs> the three fifty is not very many of those. It's supposed to be 17% more efficient than a Tesla. Interesting. Mm. It's got 1,080 mm-hmm. horsepower. They've changed That's a the lot archi- of horsepower, my friend. That is a lot of horsepower. And the way they're getting it is because they've changed the battery architecture. It's running a 900-volt system. That's a lot of volt. What is Tesla's? That's like, a, that's like 109 volts. <laughs> what, is, what is Tesla's based on? 375 for the S and X and 350 for the 3 and Y. I sound smart because Robert put it in the, the show notes. I t- own it, man. Own it, Tom. <laughs> All I know is that with more V, there's more push. So, okay. And there's a bunch of uh, YouTubes showing the Lucid Air up against a Model S P100D, and it smokes it. It really does. They're using three motors, and they're saying that their zero to 60 is 2.5 seconds with a 9.9 second quarter mile. It's a pretty nice looking car. Yeah. Yeah. Spacious, big in the back too. Uh, you know, like when I saw it in person, it's a, it's a lovely vehicle. All, yeah. all kidding aside, it is a lovely vehicle. I really, again, hope they can make it, hope they can make it in quantity, hope hundreds of thousands of people want to buy one yeah and uh, you know move the ball forward as it pertains to all of this stuff there will be a ninety-five thousand uh dollar model available in 2021 and a standard model available for 80k in around 2022 so following that tesla model of like let's pay to build this company on the backs of people who can afford it. I'm all for that. Turns out there's a lot of very rich people in this country. I have an interesting list I can share with you guys later if you'd like about how many rich people there are in this country. Yeah. It is 
It was staggering and to me, staggering. There's probably an entire market in the uh, Arabian Peninsula because they got a billion dollars from Saudi Arabia. And if you look at what's going on in Dubai, I didn't share this with you guys, but I spent like 45 minutes down a rabbit hole looking at the excesses that occur in Dubai. And I expect that a bunch of these cars are going that direction as well. So they're opening up a showroom. It's going to be at 9022 Wilshire Boulevard. Uh, You can see the beginnings of it already if you go on Google Maps. It's very exciting. And uh, I'm looking forward to going to the showroom. And they're going to put another showroom at the Century City uh, mall. It's called Westfield Century City, which is where Tesla has one of its premier showrooms. So I wonder if they're going to be like right across the walkway from them and everybody will be, you know, just walking back and forth deciding, should I buy a Tesla that has a lot of like fake stuff in it? Or am I going to buy this Maybach style luxury sedan? Curious. You know, now you talked about the acceleration stuff, but a number of people have noticed uh, they didn't race a Tesla that was using cheetah mode, which is, you know, a little bit faster again. And the plaid mode Model S we expect might be released or, uh, yeah, probably released um, around battery day, which is the three motor Model S cheetah mode, just so that it can beat a lucid air. Now, like I don't you said, actually, this will not stand, right? I mean, like Tesla's gonna do something. Yeah, right. I'd, Tesla and Elon's been tweeting himself in plaid jackets and stuff. So this plaid mode is going to be really fast. It's just a wing match. I mean, does anybody really need to go from zero to 60 in two seconds? No, but that's Robert fun. Does. Well, Robert does because <laughs> he's got a lot of traffic to get through. Yeah, no, not anymore. It yeah. used to be fun, but now the traffic's back to where it was before. It's kind of nuts. But it's nice. I like the wheels. So you you posted a photo of it. Sorry, Robert, but you posted a photo of it. It's got some really innovative wheel design. I think, uh, you know, my guess is that those are kind of solid to get most uh, most efficiency out of them, and they look they look really nice. Uh, the car itself has a wonderful profile. Again, very roomy in the back. It has a ha- it almost feels like like station wagony feel. It's got a big old hatchback, and the seats can fold down, and it's it could be quite a wonderful uh, vehicle, and and again, like at eighty thousand dollars, depending, like let's say the eighty thousand version has three hundred miles of range. I mean, again, that's for a lot of people that would be a, a wonderful alternative. Get some, you know, lovely, more robust charging stations, and uh, and you got yourself a, an, another uh, another EV option. Yeah, speaking I'm, of I'm, which. I'm all excited about having plenty of EV options. So that's like what we're saying. We want everybody to to be successful. And uh, the question is, can Cadillac pull it off? I don't know, Robert. Can, can Cadillac pull it off? They have a pretty cool looking EV that they're- Station wagon. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> they're all yeah, it's interesting looking. They're kind of- looking like um they're looking like station wagons they all have like a roof that a roof line that extends way back to the rear wheels and the rear wheels are pushed back a lot farther because Cadillac has adopted the same skateboard design for its battery as Tesla which I'm I'm happy with I mean it works well for Tesla I enjoy my Teslas so 
let Cadillac use it. What the hell? So in 2022, this is the Cadillac Lyric, L-Y-R-I-Q, Lyric. It's supposed to start below 60,000, so 59,999. And uh, it's going to be sort of similar to midsize luxury SUVs and how they're they're priced. And it's going to, yeah, the guy who... Uh, tweeted about what the price is. It's almost like, uh, what do they call that? It's some sort of a puzzle that he gave. You know, it's like not this, but a little before that and this and that. But bottom line is about 60,000, 300 miles of range. Uh, it's going to have 150 kilowatt level charging, which is, eh, I mean, it's on a continuum, right? So if you plug into a 200 kilowatt charger, it's only going to be able to pull 150. So it's not going to be the fastest charging car. They're going to have a home charging uh, at 19 kilowatts, which is pretty generous. And uh, what I put down here was something that Fred Lambert wrote, because I got this uh, off electric. Thank you to Fred. He says, now its main issue is that it's coming out in 2022. I think it could be a success right now, but in two years, The market will have already evolved, and the EV space is moving so fast. uh, He's basically saying, uh, good luck, Cadillac. You're a little slow to the the starting gate. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Again, at the end of 2022, because really it's supposed to be a 2023 model, right? So it means Mm -hmm. it'll probably be coming out like late 2022. Right. If they can, if all the things go and then it's like, how many are they going to produce in that first year? If you go to the comments section, and I thought this was actually very insightful by a lot of the readers of Electric. A lot of people were like thinking about that, like typical GMC model, which we don't see on Tesla, but they're they're like under 60,000, but that'll be base price without any options or dealer markups. And, And people are like, that car could be 15,000 more basically every single one on the lot, which again is is still cheaper than the base price of the Lucid. But in terms of the model that people are really starting to come to enjoy from EVs is like, this is the car. There are no options except for like color and maybe interior color for the most part. For Tesla, you could buy like a full self-driving or premium, but like there's three or four things that to choose from. There's not clear code and this and the driver experience package and the X and the Y and the Z. So that was pretty interesting to see like how the actual product is sold. Uh, But again, they're calling this an SUV. It doesn't look like an SUV. It looks like a station wagon in my opinion. That's not necessarily bad, but let's call cars what they are and not try to pretend. It's not tall enough in my opinion to be an SUV. Uh, It looks it looks wonderful. It's got it's got the same style of door handles that the Model 3 has, except yeah. they're upside down. Or the Model S. They're interesting. I wonder if they're gonna pop in and out. Yeah. I mean that's a that'll be a that'll be an option, bud. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, if it sells more cars, uh electric yeah. versus non-electric, I'm all for it. Right. And it's a GM, right? So GM's got this, they're, they're working on the Hummer, which we're about to talk about. So again, it's like, we want GM to be successful, especially if they're going to pour $20 billion into this. And the only way that these companies are going to keep pouring money into the EV space is a, if they're forced to, which they're not, (laughs) and B, if they're making money and people want them and people buy them. And again, people want to buy them, but 
people need to know how to charge them. They need to know where to charge them. They need to be informed. They need to be able to get charging for people who live in apartments, right? I mean, half of the people in the world, maybe more so, live in apartments. And right. charging an apartment is, is, is still not easy. Right. Uh, let's talk about the Hummer. The Hummer. I thought the Hummer was dead and gone since for so many years it was the symbol of mass consumption of petrol. And What here, are you talking about? It's a beautiful truck. It's so yeah. nice. Well, Arnold had his Hummer converted to all electric, which is amazing. But he has EV Hummer. God. It's my EV Hummer. He's God smacked with money. <laughs> <laughs> The new Hummer, which will be revealed October 20th, da, 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 dum, which is like delayed by five months, is going to show, uh, which is going to be showed by GM as an all electric. Uh, it includes crab mode. Tom, this is perfect for you. Yeah, I saw this and I tried to find video. They aren't showing, there's not very much video. They have this one drone shot of it driving through like a very tight forest road, but they don't show the crab mode, yeah. but apparently it can kind of move sideways, which would be cool and useful if you like understood how to drive it sideways. <laughs> you know, like it just, yeah. I can't really compute that in terms of like, if I've been driving over rocks, like I know that my car typically wants to go straight and I got to turn it a little bit to, to get it. I don't understand what they mean by crab mode, so I'd have to see it, but uh, I'm excited that they're at least thinking about that community when when building the truck. My understanding was that they have it uh, built with an electric motor with each wheel so they can turn each wheel uh, without having to worry about axles and the connecting devices. And it also helps with the, the clearance. And so they can actually turn all four wheels at once so that the truck can move almost sideways, which... I guess is a feature maybe that exists for military purposes, but I agree. You don't want to be on the highway and activate crab mode because uh, you'll be rolling around uh, uh, in a way that's not very fun. I wanted to make that like noise of like a crab ticking over rocks too. When you put it in a crab mode, it would be like. They say it's going to have a thousand horsepower. It's going to scale. The battery pack can scale to 200 kilowatt hours. And, and it will have to because it's going to weigh 8,000 pounds. Right. Well, it already does. And uh, oh. it's uh, it's going to come in a pickup truck and an SUV mode. And and it's going to include Super Cruise. Super Cruise? What's that? It's uh, GM's advanced driver assistance system, which... Is that like self-driving? Yeah, that's like autopilot, which isn't all auto. Oh. Unless you get well, the most recent update... Of no. autopilot, which I don't want to talk about it. I just so got it on the way here. It's my no, it's installing right now. Why? Oh, that's yeah, let's right. keep talking you can't about the do Hummer. It. Let's talk. Let, let's just talk about the Hummer. Let's just keep talking about the Hummer. Really? Why? You want to talk about the Hummer? It yeah, doesn't have it doesn't have lithium ion batteries. Yeah, they've eliminated lithium. They're doing an updated NCMA chemistry battery. NCMA stands for nickel cobalt magnesium and aluminium and the cobalt has been reduced by 70 percent which is good for the children of africa that have to be forced down into the mines but maybe not so good for their parents who depend on their income that's a whole nother rabbit hole 
But one of the coolest things I thought was that they managed to design the the wiring harness to have 80% less wiring as compared to the bolt. So this is That's another pretty impressive because this thing is huge. Yeah. Right. And the wires, especially the wires that are uh, that drive the electric motors, they are fat, fat uh, copper wires, and that stuff's really heavy. So all in all, they're expecting with their pouch cells to be able to produce for under one hundred kilowatt, one hundred dollars per kilowatt hour, which is of course that holy grail that makes electric cars able to compete with ice cars. But if we talk about, you know, carbon offsets, that that uh, there are they're already so much better. Now, when is this? Yeah, but I mean, hundred bucks per kilowatt hour is impressive. We hope to, in battery data here that Tesla is going to be under that. But when is this supposed to be able to be done? This is probably twenty two years. Well, that's when they're going to do the reveal. But when it's actually going to be available um, is definitely not going to be any sooner than a year from now and more likely right. two years from now, which is sort of the pattern of the big legacy automakers as they announce. And it's two to three years before they actually have any substantial amount of those vehicles available to purchase. Now, do you think they do that to like keep people from continuing to buy Teslas <laughs> or like other EVs. Like it's really, it is interesting, right? Like why wouldn't they be just like, Hey, here's a new car. Go get one tomorrow. Right. As opposed to like, what are they doing this for? Are they trying to prove to investors that they're doing something? Because then they just keep stopping. It's like how many, like how long ago did GM announce this thing and how many times have they delayed it? And, and how many times has the Ford electric truck been announced and delayed? Like, where's that thing? Like, yeah. Can you imagine at the Apple event and uh, here's the new iPhone and the camera is better and it's got LiDAR and it does uh, this and we've got, and it's coming out in three years. (laughs) (laughs) What did you, as opposed to, as opposed to Friday, Exactly. Yeah, like as opposed to order one now and you'll have it in a month if we're lucky. Like, yeah, it's it is interesting. I mean, obviously, phones are are smaller and easier to make than trucks, but again, like this technology is not super new. And and I don't know. Again, a two hundred kilowatt hour battery to have a Hummer. I get it. You got to fit. You like you got to make cars for all segments of the of the automobile world, and this is yet another segment of the automobile world. I don't know. Would I rather have this or or the Riv- Rivian or the Ford F one fifty or what's the one Cybertruck to be? I can't Bollard. think of what it's called. Bollard. Yeah, Bollard. 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 Right, because you. Bollinger, Bollinger. Yeah, Bollinger. Uh, you know, so I don't know. I, again, I, I want these to come out, but. Agree. But again, how many Bollingers are going to be made each year? How many of these are going to be made each year? They're all basically just going to some small segment of people who want that kind of vehicle or need that kind of vehicle. Like the Bollinger is basically a truck truck. It has no airbags. It's not really, you know. Uh, that's safe when it comes to highway driving. It's meant for somebody who's got like a ranch and they're hauling around livestock and, you know, driving over unimproved, very unimproved roads. So, but that's fine. We need those vehicles because the alternative is like an F-350 that burns a F-ton 
of fossil fuels. Yeah. Any guesses which one of these three is for sale first? Are we going to do another bet and put another $5 no, on the wall? To, no, because no, we, don't, we don't keep track of those anyway, so that's just ridiculous. But we got the Lucid. Right. We got the Cadillac Lyric, and we got the Hummer. I say Lucid comes out first. I agree. I third agree. Oh, well then. Only because of... they've said they're coming out they've built like a whole stable of lucid cars there's pictures online on the lucid website where mm. there's like 20 or 25 cars all in one covered garage which looks pretty impressive there is it jay leno's broken, garage no it's the lucid whatever facility they've got uh their plant in in uh, Arizona, it's, they call it a greenfield plant. I, I had to go look up what that meant. It means that they're basically taking a field with green stuff growing in it and plowing it down to build a factory. So we've lost a little carbon sequestering going on there. But uh, they're building their plant now. So they're planning on producing starting at the beginning of the year. We'll see. That's pretty sweet. I know. Yeah. And, you know, this Hummer or... The Cadillac are probably not likely to end up, you know, doing a ride share for Uber. But what Uber is planning da, 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 dun, is to go all electric. Mm-hmm. Sure. Are they now? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> What's that game are, when you go and you're walking on down the street in New York City and are some dude now? has like a little pop-up table and he's got shells uh-huh. and he's moving them around and you're going to try <laughs> and guess where the coin uh-huh. is? Well, I mean, so they said they wanted to go. This is a Wired.com story. They wanted to go full. They want to go fully electric by 2023. And then they looked around and they realized we don't actually own any of these cars <laughs> that people drive in. And they had to uh, figure out like, well, we really want to do that. Lyft is also saying they want to do that by 2030. So that's, I don't know, that's a decade from now. Uh, Tesla might have built 12 more gigafactories at that point. If they mm-hmm. can get autonomous driving taken care of, and we're going to talk about that next, if they can get autonomous driving taken care of, and build their own rideshare network. Uh, Uber who? Lyft what? Right. Excuse me? Yeah. There was one? Like, no. I, I'm sorry, but like there, like there will be, there will already be fully electric fleets, but they will be owned and operated uh, from Fremont, California, in my opinion. Yeah. Once uh, Tesla, and, and judging from how Mel was gushing about the latest uh, software update, once Tesla flips the switch and there is one region of the country that allows the cars to drive fully autonomous, like level five, this is all over. Yeah. Again, and, and we'll go back, like we, we've talked about this many, many times, like these ride hail, they, they have to do this. They have to make this move into all electric because they each ride hail ride-sharing trip produces an average of 69% more greenhouse gas emissions than the actual trip what? they displace what? because there's because they're driving, you know, because if you drive two miles, that means the driver had to drive two miles to get you. So 
and, and, and they idle. They sit in the airport, right, for a long time idling and waiting to come get you. So there's all kinds of issues with that. And it's three times more impact than if you bought an electrified personal car for yourself. And that is actually quite interesting because you would think, okay, you got a rideshare vehicle. It's more efficient use of the vehicle itself, but it's a very bad use, efficient, inefficient use of the energy used to turn that car around. The downside of this obviously is that these are people who are, you know, have a lot of people who drive for these companies. These are their second jobs. They're using this to supplement their income. And these EVs are costing, you know, 10, 10,000 more than ICE cars, depending on the EV. And if you're driving, uh, an EV car as a as a, a rideshare driver, you're going to want to have it be able to fast charge. You're going to want to have a fast charging network in a lot of places, and then your options are even are even more limited. Unfortunately, not gone in, in bigger cities, obviously, but in small places like where are you getting to charge your car quickly after doing 200 miles of driving in in a day? You know, a couple of trips to the air from the airport to Orange County or whatever, and you you need to re you need to recharge your car. Um, so I think it's great that they're trying to do this. It's just, how are they going to do it? They said they're going to give incentives to these drivers to go electric, but they're already not profitable. Right. So where's this money coming from? They were also going to do some kind of a deal with Avis who was going to, I guess, buy the electric cars and then loan lease or rent them or share them mm -hmm. with the drivers. It sounds kind of, like I said, a little bit of a shell game, but one of the things that probably left me feeling the most warm and fuzzy after reading this article is that one of their uh, EV ambassadors who's been driving a Chevy Bolt for the last two years, I guess he's done 60,000 miles uh, of ride sharing with his, e with his Chevy Bolt. And he says, riders love the car. Uh, he's become an ambassador. Quote, they get in and they say, I've never ridden an electric car. How do you like it? Where do you charge it? I'm thinking about getting one. And uh, there's a guy who did that with his Tesla Model 3, right? Andy, is it Andy Sykes? I think that was his name. He's a guy who got famous and got a lot of recognition from Elon for putting out a bunch of YouTubes where he got a brand new Model 3, put a bunch of cameras in it, started doing Uber rides. I think it was Uber around like somewhere in the Midwest and getting all these reactions from people. And then he posted these videos one after another, after another, where people were so excited to be in an electric Uber. And now he just put out one where he's had the car two years and he did it again. This is not his job to do an Uber. He was just doing it for, I guess, YouTube notoriety. And he went out and did it again. And people, again, were very positive. So, you know, uh, that might be a reason for Chevy or Cadillac or Tesla or somebody to help kind of subsidize this because it's going to put more cars in other people's hands. Although Tesla's probably going to give, they couldn't give a crap when it comes to this because everything's going to be autonomous soon. I've said for 1.8 million years, if Uber had a section where it's like SUV and all the other ones, uh, electric car, I would click that every time. But no. It's but not but how long would you wait for that car? Uh, I'd wait significantly longer and I'd organize myself around that a little bit more. But yeah, there's some point at which, you know, you'd need to have a significant yeah. number of cars. I did um, talk to a guy that drove a bolt on uber and he said the only problem it's the maintenance is great and everything's good but there weren't enough fast charging stations for the bolts he yeah. would have to spend a lot of time charging which was a big pain for him yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it just bre- it breaks up your time, mm-hmm. and you don't want to get some, and you definitely don't want to pick up somebody and be sort of range anxiety with a with a customer in, in your vehicle. Like that's yeah, that's well, he no said fun. On the on the thing that says where they want to go, and you're like, I'm not taking that one because it's too far or whatever. Right. Yeah. But let's talk about autonomous driving because, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, I have a Model Three here in the house, and I got a software what? upgrade this morning, and uh, that software. Uh, software upgrade. My what is my number here? Let me uh, pull up three. You wrote twenty twenty thirty six ten. Twenty twenty thirty six ten, and what this upgrade does, if you've got uh, the hardware three point is that you know how on navigate on autopilot it'll say you know uh, we're cruising along here and you know you should probably change lanes right now. So could you manually do that? Uh, it's taken that away. So you can just say, drive me to X and it will just change lanes without getting your intervention. You should definitely stay in control because they say this is very much beta, but I drove from Oxnard to home and the car did the whole thing. And only once. But it didn't do the city streets. It did the city streets as well from your house to I didn't try the, the city streets. I didn't try that. I actually took over because the traffic was a nightmare, but um, getting off the... Freeway. I don't think I do, it didn't say about transitioning off the streets and down um, uh, streets. I think that'll be the next thing we see with the uh, upgrades with the new uh, writing of the code. But on the freeway, at least, it's basically fully autonomous, except for the one time that it slammed on the brakes for no reason. Except for that one time. Why does it keep doing that? Why <laughs> is the thing doing that? It saw a car transitioning and it just flipped out. It's like, I don't know if it's going to go faster or slower, so I'm going to slam on the brakes. Like, please don't do that. That happened to me three times when I drove recently to San Luis Obispo. Each time kind of approaching, it was a sunny day, approaching an overpass. So I think it was confused by the shadow on the ground, potentially. And like... I was in the fast lane and it just slammed on the brake. So I went from like 75 to 50. Luckily, the car behind me was paying attention, but it was like, you got to take over me. Like I reacted very, very quickly, but like there, you're still, you know, that thing, A, it accelerates fast. It also brakes pretty darn fast as well. So like when it wants to stop, it can stop on a dime and it wanted to stop and it was very, very scary. Bug report? Uh, yeah, that doesn't work. Like, you mean like push the button and say Tesla bug report? Yeah. Have you ever had that work successfully? Well, I mean, it just records what you say and supposedly and they to listen where? to it because oh, okay. you've, supposedly. you've disengaged the autopilot. So, I mean, I send those all the time and the system is getting better. Whether or not they give a crap about my bug reports <laughs> or not, I can't tell you, but I have some faith. I mean, I had the same thing. I was coming back from... Uh, I think it was Oxnard, probably two, two and a half weeks ago. And I hit some spot on the freeway where, bam, it just hit the brakes. And I have my car before this update, right? Because my car is updating right now while I'm here in studio. And I've switched it over to do everything automatic. And I will come back. And it if I if I don't if I tell it to navigate on autopilot, it will change lanes. It'll get out of the fast lane when the number two lane is open, so that I'm not blocking the fast lane. But what I get aggravated about is that it'll take me like out. It'll change lanes, and I'm like, why are you changing lanes? There's a car that's slow 
just up ahead. Then it gets right up behind that car and changes lanes right back. And then it might go back and forth and back and forth. It's just like, I'll just sit myself in the number two lane and turn off, navigate on autopilot. And they've fixed that because they now have, or at least partially fixed that, they now have a toggle button that says, um, don't take me out of the fast lane if you think I shouldn't be in the fast lane. So that happens all the time. Ah. It's shifting lanes, shifting lanes. Now I can just say, yeah, I'm going to drive at 75 miles an hour in the fast lane and don't take me out of it because I want to stay here. And so it just keeps you in that lane. All right. That's better. I like that. So is it time... If Tesla were to announce like, hey, we released this new software update, it's amazing, and somebody tweeted, hey, Elon, how about a one-week discount, $2,000 on full self-driving, is it time for me to pull the trigger on that, Melvis? And do either one of you have $2,000 I <laughs> I don't. I don't. This is definitely beta software, but it's, it's really, I think, the biggest jump that I've seen, like, oh, self-driving, it's coming. Not too far away, because this really is, on the freeway, self-driving. It is changing lanes for you. It's really starting to get there. And, and Elon keeps tweeting this new stack that they're riding is that he put it fo- pushed it forward again another six to ten weeks. He says like it's going to be exponentially better. That's the one, the alpha that he's using, that drives him on the freeway, on the road, to and from work. Um, so I can see that we might, within a couple of months here, be going, oh my gosh, I can actually drive in most circumstances from my house onto the freeway, on the road to my house, because uh, I see the future and it is light pole charging. And some- <laughs> hey, that's my line. How dare you? And some self-driving. But so you're saying it's going to slam the brake on. So you're saying now that Tesla is going to really be stacked. It's super stacked, baby. It's going to be great. Let's talk about um, exciting things at uh, Battery Day. I wanted to do some wild speculating because we've been wildly speculating about this for a long time. Can we keep doing it? Oddly enough, oddly enough, Elon has been on Twitter talking about Battery Day, tweeting about Battery Day. And there's this article in Barron's.com about Tesla stock rising when Elon tweets. And we all know that it happens. But so according to, you know, conversations that we've had over the years and Barron's wrote this article and they, they've sort of made it very succinct about like, what are the four things we have to look forward to as it pertains to battery day, a battery cost, B battery reliability, C manufacturing capacity, very important and D new technology. So, uh, let's talk about battery costs first, right? So, Getting battery costs below 100 kilowatt hour is the number floated within the industry. And this would make, you know, the battery for a Model 3 and a Model Y cost around six to six or seven thousand dollars based on like, you know, the smaller, the standard range versus the long range version. I don't know, you know, what they're paying currently right now. I mean, is that is it widely known what Tesla is paying or what a battery is costing no, with Tesla? So it's I widely mean, speculated because they're not saying. Right. Right. So so but like what are the, what is the wild speculation? Is it twice that? Is it 50 percent more than that? Like what is the the current number? Because I don't know the most current number, but sort of six months, a year ago, they were saying that they already thought that they were pretty close to the 100 kilowatt hour mark and that battery day is probably them going to say, we are now significantly under 100 bucks per kilowatt hour. That is the presumption. Okay. So that, I mean, so let's say they're going to get considerably below or right around the 100 kilowatt hour, and that's going to be the magic thing that's going to help propel Tesla to make 
a cheap, cheap car, like an inexpensive, let's not call it cheap. Let's call it inexpensive under $30,000 car. Now, battery reliability. So like, I don't personally see this as an issue for EVs in general. And we're going to talk about battery reliability in the next story, but only car really that I can think of that, that I know people talk about battery degradation being an issue has been the leaf, right? Otherwise they sort of don't degrade in in great, great numbers, you know, it, it, it depends it's plus minus how much range they start with. But for the most part, I don't really believe battery degradation is an issue. If that's the function of reliability, like I don't feel like that, that that's, that's old, like that's old EV news. Batteries are great. Technology works like the, the proof of concept has been done, right? Like they're the conceptually and literally EVs work. The next one is capacity. Now this is a kind of a big one and this isn't capacity of the batteries, but this is the capacity to make enough batteries. And we've talked about this ad nauseum time and time again is the only thing keeping the roadster on the road off the road right now. Battery production is the only thing keeping the semi off the road right now. Battery production is the only thing keeping the Cybertruck off the road right now. Battery production. And if Tesla can fix that in any way, shape or form, and you know that then they, they've got they've got three vehicles in the pipeline right now ready to go. They've got three vehicles ready to go. Not one, not two, but three vehicles that people have put their hard-earned money down on that, like, if they had enough batteries, they could make, right? And and so the Wall Street expects Tesla sales to increase 40%, but can they make enough batteries? They've made, you know, Panasonic's doubled, uh, not doubled up, but re-upped their investment in the Gigafactory, and they're going to be trying to increase capacity there. Obviously, we have the Austin Gigafactory coming online. We're going to have the German Gigafactory online. So hopefully that's going to, you know, satisfy the battery thing, but really it needs to get super ramped up. Thoughts on that, gentlemen? They are super battery constrained right now. Uh, Elon has talked about it. Um, battery walls right now, hard, really hard to get. Um, there's supposed to be four coming from the studio. And uh, I just got the email this morning that uh, they've been delayed again. And like, they're trying to get these battery walls and they're talking to Tesla and Tesla's like, we're trying to get them as fast as we can. Definitely a crunch again. Um, this happened and they seem to have caught up early in the year, but now again, can't build them fast enough. But yeah, I think this is the big deal. The, uh, the demand is there. The demand is kind of overwhelming for the cars and for the battery walls and for the mega packs. And uh, I think that's why there is this rush to build these uh, gigafactories and pentafactories, terafactories or whatever they're calling them now, because it's the batteries where the problem is. And the last piece of this is new technology, right? So like for me, is this the magic? Is this the magic of battery day in general? Like we know they're reliable, so we don't have to worry about that. We think they're working on capacity, so that shouldn't be an issue. We think they're going to get battery costs below 100. So really at this point, the magic of battery day is what is the technology? What is the capacity of these batteries? Will this be the driver of that next level of exponential growth? Like can they get a battery that's super reliable, super efficient for under 100 kilowatt an hour. And could they turn that into a sub $30,000 Tesla, right? If they started to th drop model Watt, model 3s, uh, you know, or a little smaller version of a model 3 for like under $30,000 that had access to the supercharger network, that would be, I mean, 
would there would there be a reason to buy a Honda Accord at that point or a Civic or any of those cars? Well, I've got the answers for you. Okay, so million-mile battery, okay. we'll accept that. Okay. They're going to yeah. announce a 20% increase in uh, capacity. and Across the board? Across the board uh, with new goop that they'll put in those batteries, 20%. With a roadmap to 50% in the next couple of years. But I think the big thing that is going to happen is the speed of charging because they have to have a significant improvement in speed of charging because of Cybertruck, because of Semi. And Elon has already talked about it in terms of uh, the Lucid with 350 kilowatts. That, I think, is going to be the and one more thing that he tweeted a few years ago, 800 kilowatt charging, child's play. I think it was or it was 350 for Porsche, and he said child's play. But he just recently uh, tweeted about uh, the rate of charging. So I'm going to expect that the big, Drop the mic moment is going to be they've done something either with the battery goop or probably more likely some combination of the goop and some cooling, a new way of putting the batteries together so they can cool them, so they can take that charge. Mm -hmm. And the charging rate could be something like 400 or 450. It would be pretty amazing. And uh, their experience, right? They're monitoring every car all the time, getting charged either at at level one, level two, level three, level three, 250 kilowatts rate. So they can see what's going on with every car, every battery. They can even look down to the individual cell when you crack behind the sort of firewall of looking at the car. So they've got so much data that they can crunch and that they can use to see that their original plan, which was, you know, you can't charge the car this much on supercharging. We're going to limit your miles on supercharging. We're going to limit your discharge and acceleration. You know, all of that controversy that Tesla stumbled into during the earlier years, they've backed off. They've, they've increased people's mileage. They've increased the charging speed, even without the newer battery technology, only because they've gotten more experience and more confidence. And I think that's also going to drive a part of what we're going to see on battery day. Yeah. And do you think that's why they're slow, the, like the slow rollout of 250 kilowatt charge superchargers is a little slower than we might have expected initially? Because they really have been like, oh, this thing is coming. We don't want to make too many of these 250s because we're going to have to put some 500s in. Well, we're going to have I to have a some... theory. The other drop the mic moment. They're going to say, and guess what? Those V3s. Uh, we can flip the switch on those puppies and put significantly more juice through them. They're actually 350. They're 400 right. kilowatt charges. And they're just going to say, ha ha, tricked you. It's not max out at 250. It max right. out at 500. Go. To, yeah. Just a big thumbs up to, uh, or a, a big middle finger to VW and Electrify America and, and Porsche and everyone else who thinks 350 is the, 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 Holy grail. The other thing I think they're going to be able to do is say that the battery packs with a newer chemistry are going to allow for more range. And for Model S, the top of the line Model S, I think they're going to announce 520 miles of range. Ooh, write that down. It's one, it's one, one week from today. 520 All of these miles. things will be answered. That's more than 20% increase in range. It is. And you know what it is? It's three miles more than the lucid air. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like, I agree. I think it's going to be more than the lucid air. And uh, maybe with a 120 kilowatt pack, 
Or, it's a little uh, bigger pack, but the same amount of range. I mean, it'll be interesting if the Plaid, Le, Plaid Model S has increased efficiency because they're putting some new uh, electric motors in there and a 120 kilowatt hour battery pack. I think they could get over 500. That would be impressive. Yeah. Any other I mean, battery day things that you think they're going to drop? I've dropped my bombs. Whew. So if the Model S can go up 20%, then the Model why and the model three could probably approach 400 miles yeah 20 percent would be what on the three 360 380 360 370 something like that basically because it's 310 for the long range one but again like why do it on that car like isn't the better move to make that car cheaper so more people want it and keep the same profit margin, but just make more of them. <laughs> like, right. What's the sweet spot when it comes like that, to? That's my take. Right. right? Like, m- like make that thing dirt ass cheap. Like, make that thirty five thousand dollar Tesla a reality. No, do both. Do both. Have a, a standard range and then a long range. And the long range is really long. It's three fifty. It's four hundred. And the standard range is much cheaper. Just do both. But please. how do you keep but then but that that takes away from what we've talked about in the past, which is that differentiation between the S and the X and 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 maybe that doesn't matter as much anymore. Again, like they're yeah, they're, they're putting it. all like their eggs are in the three Y basket at this point and the S and X are sort of the bespoke vehicles, but you still want to make them attractive to the people who well, want yeah, to, your, to buy them. Well, yeah, your S will be 520 miles, and it'll go from zero to 60 in like 0.1 seconds, and uh, the Y will never do that. Right, but... So there's enough there. But then you ha- and it's right, bigger. But then you have, the, you have the cost situation, right, where you're like, okay, I'm going to get a Model Y with almost 400 miles for $65,000, or I'm going to get a Model S with just a little over 500, and it's going to be... $125,000? Like, which one of those are you buying? Yeah, I'm going to get yeah, the that's Y, what I'm I think they don't care. They don't care. I mean, they've said that S and X at this point, are basically, they make them because they love them historically, not because that's the future. The future is an F-ton of threes and Ys and Cybertrucks. With, with long range. With long range. Okay. All right. Just saying. So that's uh, that's some pretty exciting stuff. And then the real question is, when they make all these announcements, when does the first car with the new battery get delivered? Is it like within a month? Is it within a year? Is it with somewhere in between those two? I think it's before the end of the year. I think it's before the end of the year from China. And then I don't know how long it's going to take that Fremont new battery thing to start. But uh, before the end of the year in China, they will have new batteries you heard it here first. So they're going to have longer range, more expensive vehicles in China before they deliver those to the to the North America. I think so. I think because of capacity. I just don't know where they can where they can do that here yet. I mean, they pour Panasonic's pouring that in, but that's going to be a little delayed. China builds things so quickly. I'm just they've got that whole battery thing there. I'm just thinking. And then, okay. and it could be that they'll say, actually, no, uh, Austin will have it and Berlin will have it. And uh, then it'll come to all these other places. So it might be a bit of a disappointment in that, you know, we're going to have these much higher range or longer capacity batteries, but it's a year away. That definitely could and happen. Uh, and are they going to announce what their capacity, what they believe their capacity to make batteries by the end of the year? And will it be two? 
or three times more than every other battery company combined? Like, it what has are we, to be. What are we really looking it at? It has to For them to do the cyber trucks and the semi-trucks and all of the Ys they're going to make and all of the threes they're going to make and Roadster, and not Roadster. so many, but that's a sort of... But all of it's the, it's the mega packs and it's the... If they could fulfill the demand that's there, they would have to increase their capacity like today, probably fivefold. So it's uh, it's going to be a problem where they're going to get all this material from. So now it's a you think it's a materials issue as opposed to a just, putting them through the machines issue. Yeah, I think I think it's a, I think there's a huge mining issue when Elon's out there saying you know please mine the hell out of nickel and do it cleanly and we'll buy every piece of nickel you can make. I think that they right. that's where they're going to get uh, bottlenecked is actually at the mining. Yeah, so 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 maybe the mining maybe there will be some sort of mining announcement as part of Battery Day as well where they're like hey we're going to do this here. You know, that's something that hasn't wasn't talked about in this Barron's article and we I think you're you're one of the few people that I've heard sort of talk about that obviously Elon's been talking about it. But that could be a key piece of this as well like hey we've made a deal with to produce X, X, Y, and Z. Um, so on that, so battery day, September 22nd, today is the 15th. We're seven days away. Mel, did you get your invitation? Uh, let me just day? check. No. Robert, did you get your invitation? <laughs> no. Oh, you made him sad. No, no, I didn't, I didn't get one either. So, so the three of us won't be live at Battery Day. Now, do we know at this point whether Battery Day is a live stream event? I think it will be. I can't imagine it's, it won't be. I can't imagine it won't be. And we absolutely should do a show live at Puppy. There'll be so, so much to do. We talk will about. do a live show. That is the 22nd. We should probably do it on the tube that is you if we can possibly yep. pull something like that off. We're talking next Tuesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Um, I guess the question is, check-in is at 12 p.m. according to the invitation, so it might be in the middle of the day. That might have to be, I don't know how complicated that will be, but we could at least do it that evening if we can't do it during the event. Give us some time to sort of absorb the information, but look for us September 22nd. We will be at a, a media outlet near you. Yeah, we'll tweet it out. We'll We'll let everybody know, although... Most people don't use Twitter anymore. It's all TikTok. So, you know, not for long. <laughs> Tom, you got to TikTok this one, eh? I don't have TikTok. Are you? Are you crazy? Uh, are you available <laughs> on that Tuesday, Robert? I am. Uh, Freedom Tuesday. I had to get rid of TikTok in full disclosure because that is one addicting platform, man. Oh. There's so much good stuff on TikTok. I was like. Uh, the first time I was up for like three hours in the middle of the night on TikTok, I was like, oh, this has to go. This is gone. This is out of my life completely. So I was on it for another couple of hours and then I deleted it. <laughs> it was too, too, too much. It was too Oh, I love the TikTok. The TikTok is great. Yeah. Uh, TikTok was made. You were made for TikTok, I think. I feel like knowing you just, and your love of all things teenager-ish, like TikTok is like your- TikTok's the best. Your, like people doing magic is, tricks and dances and it's like <laughs> 60 seconds. Give me another one. Say something stupid. Uh -huh. it's like, Give me another one. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, do it again. Do it again. Follow You're probably going to fall over. Oh, yes, you did. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> too much Too much swiping. So the next, we're going to continue to talk about batteries and we're going to talk about battery degradation and we're going to try to do this one relatively quickly. But it's basically like there's a story in Inside EVs about the best and worst of 
EV battery degradation. There's a lot of information in this article, but I'll, I wanted to sort of just hit that the top three, the worst of the bottom 10 are the Mitsubishi Outlander, the Kia Nero PHEV, I'm sorry, the Mitsubishi PHEV, the Nero uh, PHEV, and the Prius Prime. All of these are like hybrid electrics, basically. They have a little bit of battery range and a lot of uh, regular fuel range. So the Mitsubishi, this is uh, basically after one year is where they measured this, they measured this degradation. The Mitsubishi started with 22 miles total range lost 4.1 percent which seems like a huge amount that's uh, less than a mile so and even if it was a model three at four percent degradation at 310 miles we'd be talking about losing 12 miles so again i only point this out because i just don't think this is that big of a deal as we're seeing with like multiple vehicles the kia nero phav 3.5 percent loss so again less than one mile of range over the course of a year prius prime less like just barely over a half a mile and like i said like i barely care about these numbers and i put this article in here like these are these are non these are non issues in my opinion the top 3 best are the chevy bolt which had 0% degradation it had to have something but maybe it was one of those negligible situations the audi a3 with 0.3% which it had started with 16 miles of range and lost less than it was like zero four tenths of a mile. It was like a, just a crazy small amount. And the Tesla Model 3, 0.6% of degradation, a 310-mile range vehicle, basically lost 1.86 miles of, of range over the course of a year. My uh, Tesla is, is currently at like, I think, 14,000 miles. And if I fully, fully charge it, I think I've lost four miles of range, basically, like, so less than 1%. And, you know, that's a lot of a lot of driving. I don't necessarily drive super slow. Uh, just to, to fill out the whole Tesla thing, the Model X, 0.7%, and the Model S, 1.1%. Um, and there is some, like, interesting things. The model, so we have a 2013 Model S with 81,000 miles currently. And it currently, its range is 186 out of the original 210. So that's 12% degradation after seven years of driving. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, my Model 3 has 33,000 miles on it, and I've lost four or five miles of range. It's rated at 310. I get like 305 after 30,000 miles. So again, I, I think what this proves is like up and down the line, and these are, these are multiple cars from multiple car companies, like battery degradation is just not a major issue. So don't worry about that aspect of it. Buy your car. It's going to last a crap ton longer than the battery is going to last a crap ton longer than the seats and the carpet and all that other stuff. So go for it. Yeah, but I've got to charge those batteries, and and how do I charge them? I charge them at home mostly, but every now and then, I charge them at superchargers. Give us the supercharger update and tell me that there's eight hundred point seven three million new superchargers. I can That's only say lot. one thing about superchargers and the supercharger report. You know, we've been in mm -hmm. a sort of a summer mode with the show. Uh, a couple of people sent me. Uh, like concerning texts or communications, including uh, Mark from RPM Tesla. He's like, wait, 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 where's the new show? Where's the new show? Because we've been three weeks between this show and the last show and three weeks between that show 
and the one before. And though many of our listeners are lamenting that the shows are taking, you know, kind of this hiatus, what they don't realize is that it makes the supercharger report so much better because we have time mm. for Tesla to to put together a lot more superchargers. And so the supercharger report goes thusly. Open superchargers, 27 oh, new wow. superchargers. Delicious. How many of those, how many of those in North America, Robert, do we know? Uh, let's see. We've got uh, the Las Vegas Premium Outlets, Taiwan, Wyoming, Ohio, Germany. Taiwan's not in North America. No. But. Germany, Finland, Florida, Arizona, uh, Arkansas, Tennessee, Taiwan, Vermont, Colorado, California, in Cerritos, which I wasn't too far from. I didn't stop and check it out. Uh, another uh, an, uh, one in Arizona, Paso Robles, which I don't know if any Ooh, of you have yes. been there. Yes, Hello. my son Wine stopped country. there. My son stopped there a couple of days ago. He said it was delicious, to lovely, to wonderful. Uh, Two hundred and fifty kilowatt charging. He sent me a, a screenshot of the car doing like eleven hundred miles per hour of charging. He's like, "What? Yeah, it wasn't as good as Tom fifty. I got 250 recently. Yes, Tom you got did. an official 250, like max. Official. Unbelievable. I got a photo of it as well. 250 kilowatt at the Madonna Inn in San Luis Obispo. Well, maybe I should send I should then send you the gift that I brought from Market RPM Tesla, which I'll talk about in a second. But that Yes, you definitely should that send that. Pasa Robles, <laughs> California supercharger has 28 stalls. Wow. Yeah. That was huge. Uh, let's see. The the most uh, important, well, so let me get to construction, which is the category that contains the golden nugget of this supercharger report. There are 25 superchargers under construction right now. Another giant number. And you know what's even more giant is the supercharger that just got added today in Firebaugh, California. That is... Almost at the midpoint between L.A. and San Francisco, maybe a little closer to L.A. by a smidge. But that supercharger is going to have, guess how many stalls? 28. 60. Uh, you're both, uh, well, I guess Mel is wrong, but not by much. It's going to huh. have 56 250 wow. kilowatt stalls. Oh, holy mackerel. They're going to be solar powered. And then there's going to be uh. six additional EV uh, plugs, probably like Electrify America or some kind of CCS, I imagine. that The details on that are not available yet since this just got posted yes, uh, today. And it's going to include a convenience store and a restaurant. So you could have a Tesla board. Yes. Tesla burger. What? Yes. It's going to. I got to have a Tesla burger. That's impossible. Is it a Tesla? It's an impossible burger. burger. That might be. In fact, people are already on the Tesla motor forums uh, putting in things like. Which Elon, have you tried Fireball? He said Fireball. So this is on the 33. Fireball, which is the entire state of California is a fireball. That's true. This is not on the five. This is like. It is on the five. It is. I should have sent you a picture, and I'm sorry. I have it on an email 
that uh, I can forward it to you really quickly. But the bottom line is uh, somebody on the Tesla Motor Forum was saying, you know, this is crazy. Why are they building all of these superchargers here in California, uh, so close to Kettleman City and not near like places where I think they're needed? And somebody tweeted right back to me, says, what are you talking about? Uh, the Kettleman City Supercharger is very overloaded. And what I just sent to you is an email with, that includes both a copy of some of the permit details from this uh, 56 uh, supercharger station in Firebaugh. But more importantly, there's a picture here of the Kettleman City Supercharger with two, four, six, eight, ten. 12, 14, 16, 18, about 20 Teslas lined up on the street outside to charge. 20 at a supercharger station with 40 stalls. Yeah, I went there when it first opened and it was like, this is excessive. And I went there a couple of years later on a reasonably busy weekend and it was completely full. Yeah, so Labor Day weekend, it was completely full and a line with 50, you know, how long would that freaking take? That's, that's nuts. And so more superchargers, more superchargers, more superchargers, more superchargers. Thank you, Robert. Oh my gosh. And then when they magically say, and they don't charge it to 50, it's 500, ladies and gentlemen, it's 500. And we've reduced the speed of you uh, 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 charging. Thank you. There was a couple of good comments on the Tesla Motors forum where where or in Twitter, I can't remember which it was, where they were rec where they were asking Elon, "Please Elon, when I'm approaching a supercharger, have the car instruct me which stall I should plug in at, which stall has the highest uh, the highest energy output, which stall is not broken, which stall is not uh, sharing the circuit with another car. Because, right, not all of us are that clear on the details, the fine details of supercharging. Yeah. Thank goodness for that, because really, when I'm using my supercharger, it irritates me when people plug into my valley right. next to me. Yeah, so eliminate all that stuff, write some software, and tell me to plug into 6A when I arrive at that supercharger. Because you have, I, I don't know how quickly, this is the only thing I, I'm sort of doubting is I don't know how quickly they update because I was told that there's like a 10 minute lag from the information mm. coming from the supercharger to Tesla, uh, whatever the mothership, but darn, they could use, you know, whatever, something like, I don't know, Starlink to figure oh. <laughs> out how to, that'd be cool. Here's this better. Yeah. Here's a supercharger tip that I've been doing I've been going to superchargers with like, say, a broken Ballard. And let's say that broken Ballard is 5A. Plug into 5B. Yes, yes. <laughs> no one will take up the other or half Or like of in Thousand thing, Oaks. It really does slow it yeah, down. Yeah, in Thousand Oaks, uh, I think the top number, maybe it's 10 B or something is in the handicapped spot. So it's... You can't park there. No, so you get the other one. Oh, yeah, that's good. Ooh, I didn't think about yeah. that one. That is a good tip. 
That was and, a pro tip right there. Boom. That yeah. was a pro tip. Yeah, I like that one. That I go to that supercharger a lot, so I'll be using that one. Thank you very much. So SpaceX launched another 60 Starlink satellites. Woohoo! Thank you. Not only are they now launching, what, six times a booster, and oh my goodness. they're catching the fairing halves. It's it's getting Although there's some interesting things I've been reading about the fairing. There's two things going on with the fairing, and, and I don't know. The last one, they're not necessarily catching, but they're recovering it quickly is kind of what they're trying to do. They're like able to there's, – there's catch, and then there's scoop. And apparently, like, they'd rather catch, but they're taking the scoopy ones, too, if they can get. So, like, they've landed in the ocean, and then they'll go and scoop them up and then try to – make sure they're out of the seawater as quickly as possible. And they're not really being super transparent with the catch and scoop, like which which is which, what is happening. That's the one thing I wish I would know more information about or could find more information about. But September 3rd, they launched 60 Starlinks from 39A, and that was the first Starlink mission in September and the 16th mission so far in 2020, which is Pretty darn impressive. And like you said, that was the first time uh, that they launched and landed a booster six times. Six times, Robert. That is Isn't that freaking awesome. Just inc- incredible amount of, like, you're talking about 60 engines that they didn't have to make, which made them have the ability to do 16 missions in 2020 right it's it's fabulous this booster had flown just over two months ago when it flew for the u.s space force launching gps launching a gps3 satellite so so far 700 of these internet satellites have been launched by spacex and six a day are being built by spacex or starlink or whatever the company is technically that's building these things six every day in their washington state factory which means they could launch 60 starlinks every two to three weeks like that's a big huge number the next launch coming up is in two days all things that go well and that will be a falcon 9 rocket expected to launch the 12th batch of these uh, starlink satellites from launch complex 40 and then so that's september 17th at 11 17 pacific time is that AM? Yeah. PD? AM. AM? Yeah. So 11 AM. So that'll probably be, you know, a fun live thing for everybody to watch a few days before battery day. Um, and then September 30th, they're going to do it again with this will be another U.S. Space Force uh, GPS uh, satellite. And then another Starlink by the end of the month. So, like, theoretically, three Starlink launches in one month. No, it's like, two a month, typically. I think it's just going to be the one that was a few days ago and the one that's going to be at the end of September. Two more in October. No, you have the, the third. You have the third, the 17th, oh, right. and the 30th, according to this thing, I'm right? So that would be three corrected. this month. Yes. Correct? Am I, am I reading yes. that correctly? Yes. I was a little confused because you wrote that. But then you wrote this last thing where it said, then another Starlink launch. So is that like potentially a fourth? But anyways, there's two scheduled in October for sure. Another NASA crew mission to the ISS, which would be pretty uh, pretty amazing to and see. And two other, TurkSat and uh, uh, 
what's it, uh, Sirius XM is putting up a satellite in October. Mm. And then nice. they're also, uh, th- there's going to be the Starship 20-kilometer hop in October at Boca Chica. Would that make you nervous if you lived in Boca Chica? You know, so there's, an excellent, <laughs> there's an excellent article in the Atlantic magazine about the residents of Boca Chica and the back and forth between, you know, many of them were bought out by, by star star uh, by SpaceX. They were offered Mm -hmm. like three times. So it says three times the value of their property, except that the, the company that they used to do the um, appraisals of property were maybe not doing such an accurate job, but Right. Uh, there are Shocker. like, I don't know, a half a dozen people who are holed out. And it sounds like Tesla, yeah. uh, not Tesla, sorry, SpaceX is going to move towards getting the county to exercise imminent domain. To I really hope they don't out. go there. I know. Honestly, I read I read these articles and it really made me sad because there are people that want to stay there. They want a fair price for their homes. Tesla, or sorry, you're right. SpaceX is moving in. A bunch of their engineers and workers into these homes and and they're trying to do it because they don't want anybody you know a civilian in boca chica to get injured while you know or have to live in a place where they're just launching several ships at once right i mean they're yeah. they're long-term plans for starship and this is to be a spaceport which you know who knows how many you could have multiple launches a day do you really want to live in in, in that area and, and and breathe in whatever the methane and all the other stuff so it's pretty. It's a pretty impressive launch manifest. I mean, they just keep growing and growing and growing and relaunching and relaunching. They have delayed Falcon Heavy's next launch quite a bit, and so that is, and and there's some speculation that they have so much of these Falcon Nine needs, and they have to make slight tweaks to the Falcon Nine fuselages to be able to make them Falcon uh, Falcon Heavies. Um, so it sort of seems. It remains to be seen, but there is like a big uh, mill sat, you know, satellite that they that they have on, under contract mm-hmm. to put up in in Falcon in Falcon Heavy. So we we wait, we wait and see when that will happen. And now that's it for SpaceX. Well, no, what do we have wait. Next? I just want to talk about no? the, oh, wait, there's some more? of the numbers oh, just very quickly. Uh, when they were okay. first testing, people were saying, oh, look how terrible the download speeds, look how terrible the upload speeds, look how long the pings is. Mm-hmm. The last I saw, um, the data was that they are starting to get uh, over 100 megabytes per second download, 40 megabytes per second upload, pings under 20 milliseconds. And so this is getting better and better and better. Probably what will happen is it's going to get way better than this. It's going to look spectacular. But then you're going to put a million users on it and it's going to not look so good again. But at least the ping yeah. thing was what people were worried about there. Some of their competitors were saying there's no way they're going to get the ping less than 50 milliseconds or even 100 milliseconds, which is going to suck for gaming and stuff like that. But under 20 yeah. milliseconds, pretty damn good. Yeah, and this is like and, – and there's a lot of interesting technology built into the Starlink because there's even some – you know, they they talk to one another as well. So you could be in a place where maybe you don't have access to like a really great satellite, but it can talk to one that's in a better location. So there's all kinds of, you know, inter-satellite communications. And that those speeds have been like gigabit level speeds where the satellites are able to talk to each other. So there really is quite a bit of bandwidth built into it. And, and if you have 
you know, 14,000 of these things, it's going to be, be quite incredible. There are some downsides though, because they they've, they've launched a whole bunch of them with that new visor. And while it has had some positive impacts on the, the astronomers and stuff, it's still causing major, major problems for those who love to look through telescopes and, and, you know, more and more of them is just going to cause more and more problems moving forward. Did you say Tom, they were making six satellites a day in Washington? Six a day is what in they Washington have the capacity or to in, do. Yeah, Washington State. Oh. Washington State yeah. is what it said in this article. Yeah, that's where the Starlink uh, headquarters is. Hmm. But yeah, this is a space.com article. I know we so. said there would be no math, but I just did a quick back of the envelope uh, uh, calculation. You know, as Mel, you're saying they're adding millions of users that they're going to have to probably expand the Starlink network to the forty thousand or so satellites that they said would be sort of their top end. If they're making six a day, that would take 18, over 18 years. So, yeah, but they're making six a day with no revenue coming in, right. right? There's no revenue coming in from Starlink. There's no money. There's no proof of concept. Like, do people want this service? Are people willing to put that antenna, you know, all of those other things. So my guess is that is, yeah, they're they're obviously and and you have to look at like they got to put sixty of them up and launch. So do the math like fourteen thousand satellites, sixty at a time. How many launches is that? That's a f ton of launches. Right, we're did looking you, at two hundred plus launches for that, right? Did you guys uh, sign probably up? Probably like fifteen hundred. I haven't signed up for it, no, because it's I don't believe it's available yet for sale. It's like six hundred and sixty-six launches or more. Yeah. I signed up. It's a lot of launch. I signed up for the beta. You did for Starlink beta, did, mm -hmm. and and what is that? What is that? What is the process for doing that? They just, just an email. You give them your address. You say, yeah, I want to mm. be on the beta. And then once there's enough satellites up there and it comes down f closer to the equator, I guess at some point they'll say, yeah, you can uh, try it out, mate. And is there like like did you get an invitation to this or did you just go to their website and sign like say I want to I, be involved? I think they like, just sent it to me. Problem? I can't remember. I must have signed up. I don't know. All right, I have a question for you guys. Do you think? Well, which do you think will come first? The Starlink satellite network is complete on Earth before they start it on Mars. Hmm. Earth. Yeah. Earth. Start on Mars. Mars. Yeah. Mars, come on. Mars is vaporware. Oh, I don't know. Have you been... Okay. Have you been watching any of the television shows about space? Like, I started watching Away with Hilary Swank. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Hilary Swank is not an astronaut. She's an actress. <laughs> an actor. I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, you can keep bringing this stuff up. But like that doesn't have anything to do with going to Mars. <laughs> well, there no, she's going to Mars. Yeah, that she's not going to Mars, Robert. Uh, this is Tom, television. Have you been seeing what they're doing with the hopping of the large spacecraft? What I'm seeing is something that's big enough to go to Mars. And they're about to do the twenty yeah. kilometer hop, and now they're talking about blowing it up after they finish that hop. <laughs> yeah, they want to blow it up. That's super fun because then they can't do another hop after they blow it up. Why are they that's blowing cool. it up? I mean, they're going to take it. Well, I think if they want to do a pressure test on it after all these, hops and they're going to like pressure it and pressure and pressure until it explodes. It's like we're just going to see how much this can uh -huh, take. Yeah, they're going to see like yeah, they're going to be like okay, we've flown this a few times. It's dealt with some pressures. Uh, 
we have a new one that we want to start testing anyways. Let's see what the engineering situation is with this particular thing. Another good reason to not live in Boca Chica is <laughs> like, oh, how much pressure? Wow, we got way more pressure in that thing than we wanted, and it hasn't exploded yet. We should probably leave. This is not going well for us. How far, how far can a piece of something fly under that kind of pressure? Oh, that far? Hold on. Let me call my family. Hey, you should... You should drive west. Get the F out of here. <laughs> You're going to see a mushroom cloud in a couple of minutes here. No, I didn't survive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why that's, that's why case, Elon man. wants to launch the super heavy and the full um, Starship uh, 17 miles offshore because it's just going to be blisteringly loud. So uh, let's do media picks and let's wind this puppy down. Uh, I'm going to start because <laughs> I always have the best ones, as you know. Uh, so my media pick is an, a book. Um, it's called Money, The True Story of a Made-Up Thing by Jacob Goldstein. And he's the guy that does the Planet Money podcast, one of the hosts. And I got to tell you, the history of money is fascinating. The concept of money is bizarre. He has these incredible insights and explanations for money. He also reads it absolutely wonderfully. So even if you don't care about money, and I don't really care about money in that sense, um, you'll just be fascinated by you know strange things like people used to carry around 50-pound coins on their backs because that was money. And then the Chinese came up with paper money. And then some of the Xing Dynasty dude came along and said, we should stop using that. And they'd had this flourishing economy because you know, this concept that you had paper money that actually didn't represent anything except like this made up transactional thing between people. And he's like, no, I don't like that. Well, we should go back to barter system where your goat is worth half a horse kind of thing and crash the uh, Chinese economy for 400 years. It's all fascinating. Just money. Did you know that there are there are places where there's money like they used to have these round stones I don't know what I can't think of what tribe it is and basically they would transport these giant heavy heavy round stones and and like the boat would crash but like you still own that yeah. thing you still own that mm -hmm. stone and people would just be like oh, oh, oh yeah uh, can I have that cart well that that stone in the water that yeah. you can't get is now yours. Like, that's money. Yeah, and they're, like that happened with gold coins and stuff. They're at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, but they exist. That's why it's so interesting because money <laughs> is just like it's it's an agreement it's that we are going to believe this fallacy. Uh, but right. it works. It's so interesting. Did you know that in – I don't know if you've heard this place. Well, that's what the Bitcoin United States, is, right? There's this place called what? the United States. This place? Okay, in the I've 1850s, there were 8,000 mm -hmm. different types of paper money worldwide no in the united states what because there was this private banking system any bank could print money when and so you could go from one wait, wait. city to the next and have to like transfer the money as you go across kansas because what what year melvis in the We're 1850s fact check you on oh. yeah i mean in the continental in the period of the early United States, there was continental money. I mean, this has basically happened You could times. start a bank. You, Robert, could say, I'm a bank. Here's my money. That's how you got 8,000. You had over 8,000 types of money in the US. It was insane. And now there's like 8,000 types of Bitcoin mm -hmm. type money, right? So digital money is sort of doing the same kind of situation. And it is interesting because it literally is just like a promise. It's like, I like... 
I promise that this Bitcoin, you can have this Bitcoin today, this thing that doesn't actually exist. I'll transfer it to you for $100. It might only be worth $50 tomorrow. That's where the volatility aspect of it is very, like, I'm, I'm interested to sort of look into this because I, I've always been, like, since the Bitcoin, you know, cyber currency thing, I've, I just, I can't wrap my head around it in any no, way. That's why form. this book is so interesting. And I, I'm wrapping my head around it a little more, but not so much. What was the first thing in the real world that was bought with Bitcoin? Drugs. No, but close. Very good. That was the second that thing. That was the second thing. That was so gross. <laughs> the pipe to put the drugs <laughs> also in. The, also the next four what million What else goes with drugs? Also dru pizza. Uh, oh, pizza. So one of the... Uh, sort I'm of, glad you didn't say people. One of the first sort of uh, the groups that are doing Bitcoin and stuff is like, well, at some point we should see if we can start doing transactions. So it's like, I'll give you 10,000 Bitcoin if you buy me two pizzas. You just wanted to, Can you as imagine? a game, like, will somebody do that? So they did the transaction and some dude bought him pizza with a credit card in the old way of doing things and got himself 10,000 Bitcoin. You know what that's worth? What's that worth today, Tom? Six million dollars, <laughs> probably. Should have jumped on Six that one. Dollars. Damn. That's a lot of... A lot of cash. Robert, what do you got for us? So I watched a couple of space shows, being a, a fan of space. I watched, I'm, I'm actually watching right now, Away, which is on Netflix. This is the Hillary Swank uh, takeoff from Earth, go to the moon. Uh, they have a little mishap on the way on the moon base, which has a much lower gravity well, is where their ship is going to take off and go to Mars. And... Um, it's interesting. It's very melodramatic. It's almost like a soap opera in space. And I read an article that uh, sort of reviewed it and it said, you know, this is an interesting show. It could be anywhere, right? It could be like a dynasty, you know, soap opera on late night or whatever, evening television. The only difference is that it takes place in space, but we never see anybody actually fly the, the craft. It's like, you know, so take it as it will. It's, it's got some reality, like some really cool stuff that you can see. They float around. Um, but it's a it's a very flowery story. A lot of crying. The other one that I watched is... <laughs> a lot of crying. Yes, there is. Tremendous amounts of crying. Yes. <laughs> That's such a weird way to describe a show. It's It takes place in space. There's not a lot of space travel, but there's a ton of crying. Yes, yeah, usually it's like there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of sex, but no, in this one... There's uh -huh. a lot of crying, a lot yeah. of uh, tears. <laughs> Haven't seen any sex, so it's interesting. Uh, For all mankind. Now, this this was a remarkable show, and I can. It's an alternate reality show, so it, it starts. I'm going to spoil it right up front, but it's it happens in the first ten minutes. Everybody's like at this bar. It's it's Houston. It, you see a bunch of you know astronaut types and aerospace types, and they're all sitting in this grungy bar, and they're watching like a a, a guy who's supposed to be Walter Cronkite on the TV, showing the first landing on the moon. But people they don't have the same elation that. I kind of recall when I was like watching this as a nine-year-old, uh, like, oh my God, we're landing on the moon. And then when they land on the moon, you see like this, this uh, television image. It's not quite what I remember. It, it doesn't look like Armstrong coming down onto the 
and the dude on the moon unfurls the Russian flag. And then you get it. Oh, this is an alternative reality show. And it goes on from there. And it's really good. And they really pay attention to the science of space travel. And I can give this one five out of five stars. It's for all mankind. And it's on Apple+. Plus. Well, I'm glad you said that because people have been talking about it. And I'm like, oh, it just sounds like a rah-rah, sis-bomba, USA, USA, for all mankind thing. Now... I'm going to watch it, even though you've spoiled the whole show in the first 10 minutes. That's right. But now I'm going to watch it. Totally. There's <laughs> yeah, more. Nice, nice spoiler. Nice spoiler. I avoided alert, many but, other spoilers, but yeah, no. I, I will sure. admit, you actually made that something I now want to watch as well. So thank you for that, Robert. Very appreciative. I also read another Colson Whitehead book, which we talked about the Nickel Boys, I think, on the last show. And uh, this is a gifted writer. He's won a couple of Pulitzer Prizes. The second one was for this book, The Underground Railroad, which is kind of the antithesis of For All Mankind. And so uh, I highly recommend it. It's a great, uh, a great read. Uh, it's not easy, but it also gives you um, a valuable perspective. I think that's the most important thing I can say about it. I like it, the value of perspective. All right, so I guess it's my turn. I have two, one on Amazon Prime, a show called Behind the Dish, which goes inside restaurants and chefs. Oh, I and, thought you were going to say it's all about Starlink. Another story on... No, 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 no. This is about cooking and just there's a lot like good cities, Los Angeles. There's a whole bunch of other places that they go. They follow these people. It is amazing. That show I love. I'm going to give you another food show that's not currently on the list, but it's also there's a new chef's table and it's a four episode series on barbecue. And this is on Netflix and it is spectacular in every way, shape or form. If you love barbecue or cooking outdoors, it fall, it's four episodes, so it's easy to watch. It's really, really good. And then the final one, Ted Lasso on Apple Plus. Ted Lasso may be... One of my favorite shows that I've seen in like five years. So he's an American football coach that goes to uh, the UK and he gets job hired to coach a team in the Premier League, a soccer team. He doesn't know anything about soccer, but he's just a people person. And it's just the best part of humanity that like they they then bring through in this show. Two powerful females in strong positions in, in the show. And, and he is just a super thoughtful guy trying to get a diverse group of soccer players to kind of be together and take care of one another and treat each other properly. And it's just, it's just great. And, and my kudos to Apple uh, for making that show. Nice. Well, I can't watch any of those cooking shows because once you turned me on to, I think it was taco chronicles which oh, that one's just so came good. out with another season, a second season. But I watched it like the night after we recorded a session and I was, I called up my son and I was like, I have to have a taco. And like, it was crazy. <laughs> it's like 11 o'clock at night and we went out seeking Al Pastor tacos. So, and they were delicious. Oh my God. And don't say they weren't. Mm, so They're good. So delicious. So good. So I can't watch this stuff unless it's like you can. lunchtime and that food is like right across the street. And I'm going to eat it right now. Yeah. So one of the, one of the shows on uh, barbecue, Chef's Table Barbecue, the fourth one is about this Mayan, this woman who is 
keeping the Mayan culture alive. And she's doing cochinita pibil tacos and hand making tortillas in this in her village. And oh my goodness, if you do not want to go have cochinita pibil tacos after watching this, you're probably passed out or something. I don't know what's gone on with you in your life at that point, but it is is really spectacular. But the other places are in Texas and we can't get as good a barbecue uh, here as we can there. I've tried, trust me, they're all good here, but they're not as good. Um, but that's a great show. And behind the dish is incredible. So any, anywho. Well, I want to remind everybody that coming up is the mm-hmm. national drive electric week for week, 2020 month, day. <laughs> God help event. me. You, you left out event. Don't, don't forget event. Drive Electric Month week event. <laughs> week day. A month week day. day. This, this must be the fourth, fifth, sixth year that we've talked about this. It's, it uh-huh. starts on September 26th. There's going to be – it's, it's all online. So you, you can go to it and you don't even have to burn rubber or expend energy. All you have to do is flip open your computer and log in. National Drive Electric Week. It's going to go from September 26th through October 4th. There's going to be uh, some... Hey, that's almost exactly a week. Amazing. How they do that. They, they've they made it work. Um, Look at them. There's also going to be uh, uh, a number of fun events coming up for the Los Angeles Tesla Club. And let me give a, a, a shout out to all of the Tesla Clubs. A number of people I've seen online who had questions about their Teslas and... Where's a great place to find this stuff out? Well, join up with other Tesla enthusiasts, be it a, a drive, a socially distant or physically distanced drive or picnic or just an online meeting. We've had a number of Los Angeles Tesla Owners Club online meetups where we had people from the Teslaverse come and talk to us, such as the policy team or service team or sales team. All these you know, experts are made available to the Tesla clubs, be it the Florida club, the Texas club, the New York club, you name it. There are clubs across the world, including Australia, just go to Tesla, you know, Google Tesla Owners Club and join up with a local club. There's a lot of fun things to do. And then I've got a little something here. It's a UV disinfection lamp. This was given to me by Mark at RPM Tesla. It's uh, a device that you can stick on your like armrest and Fire it up. It's battery powered. There's like a little USB charging plug and it lights up with uh, UV light. I don't think it'll do it now. Plus, you're not supposed to do it uh, and look at it. It's got a timer. So basically, if you want to disinfect your car, if you want to disinfect your car, you can um, put this on like the armrest and set the timer, walk away and it like beams uv light for like whatever 40 minutes or something like that you can use it in your home he says he uses it in his bathroom it's a does it run off the tesla battery well it it charges it's got its own little lithium battery inside and it charges and then you can get i don't know how many uh disinfections you can get per charge but it's a pretty slick looking device and so mark gave me one of these i'm gonna uh, give it to um a listener who sends me a picture of their review of the show, pick your podcasting venue, 
Apple, iTunes, or TuneIn. Uh, it would be great if it was on TuneIn because evidently we've disappeared from TuneIn. I know. If you put in, I got, uh, Mark actually alerted me to this. He says, you know, I put in talking Tesla on the Tesla and you guys didn't come up. So I, I assume either we've been eliminated from the world of podcasting or there's a glitch, but your reviews will always help us to look more visible. So send us uh, a picture, send it to the Tesla. Um, it's info. Tweet it to us. Info at talkingtesla.org. Or you can tweet it. Why can't they tweet it to you could. us? Yeah, tweet it. Tweet a it lot of us. people don't tweet. You know, they're, they've moved on. They're Instagramming. They're, they're uh, what's it called? Um, TikTok. TikToking. That's it. Yeah, TikToking, Snapchatting, all of the things that people do. All right, gentlemen, that's awesome. I would like a UV thing. I noticed they were selling those the other day when I went and got my flu shot. And this is a public what? service announcement for everybody. Get your flu shots. They are available. I went to CVS. It cost me $0 with insurance. If it cost you a few bucks, it's worth it. You got to protect yourself, especially now. And I'll tell you one thing that I learned about the flu shot. You can't get the flu from the flu shot. So if someone tells you, I don't get a flu shot because I'm going to get the flu, they're full of shit. <laughs> get a flu shot. It's good for you. Yeah. The last thing we want is a bunch of people sick with the flu and COVID-19 showing up in their doctor's offices or emergency rooms. Yes, or please cares. get a flu shot. And the, if yeah. you get it every year, there's sort of cross antigenicity between these things. So it's good. The good news is that we basically get the flu that's in the Southern Hemisphere. And thankfully, Australia had a relatively minor flu season. And that's good because COVID plus a bad flu would have been a disaster. So we're probably just going to have a minor disaster right. coming in the fall. But some of that could be because they were actually wearing masks and people right. were being more careful and right. like right. washing their could hands, be. right? So like flu relatively generally should be lesser in a situation where you're taking those kind of precautions, but it still doesn't hurt. Take the precautions, get a flu shot. Also, if you're, if you didn't hear me, get a flu shot. Also, you should totally get a flu shot. They're worth it. They're awesome. So get a flu shot. So get a flu shot. And then when COVID comes out, and we've got a safe vaccine, you're going to have to get that one as well. And then yeah. one day, they'll just mix them all up together in one big vial, and you'll just get one. One day, we can hope. One, one day. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's it. Who's, uh, whose code should everybody use this month to you, buy their They should their use Tesla. Mel's, because it turns out Mel gets nothing. I get nothing. And now that the referral program has no prizes... You should use Mel's referral code every single. You're time. still getting miles. I thought I've got some miles. Mel, what is your code? Because I don't even have it on the dock. I don't even, I don't even know my code. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! Open your freaking app, Melvis. But Tom, we need to talk about your Powell's is. because a certain uh, friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, wants them. Needs them. A mutual friend of ours. Mutual friend of ours. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Interesting. A certain. Uh, Wilbur Swarren. Ah. Oh, hey. Well, he's going to have to pay for it. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> willing to pay. 
<laughs> he would like a discount, right. but that's all. You know what's interesting? I, don't, I had somebody ask me for my high-powered wall charger, and when I went online to look to see what's a high-powered wall charger worth these days, you can't even get one from Tesla. They are sold out. No? And So did I so tell I that like, story? Really? I didn't tell that story. Yeah. So I went online. This was just a few days ago because uh, I went to the storage unit, grabbed it out. It's in the back seat. Can't forget that. And I went to Tesla and it's like they have them for 500 plus tax and shipping, but they can't. you can't get it. It's sold out. And I thought, oh my God, well, where would I get one? So I went on eBay. And when I went to eBay and I started looking, I was aghast. People were selling them for $700. So- if you've got like power walls out there uh, that were gifted to you by Tesla um, uh, and it's just sitting in your garage, there are people who desperately need them now because there are no power walls to be had from Tesla. So, so you're talking about wall chargers or power I'm walls? I'm sorry. You're swipping all over He's the flipping place. Between going them. all over the place. You know, buddy. it's been uh, two hours and 14 minutes, so I'm a little bit, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A little yeah. bit oh, slippery cool. of the lip. I just want to make sure no, we're giving people the right it's information. It's all high-powered wall chargers, the nice Tesla ones. And the one I got is got not the 8-foot and not the – I think it's – 15 foot, but it's got the 24 foot. There's like 21 or 24 foot. 20, yeah. I've got the numbers somewhere. I think I left it in the car. Mm, mine's the mine's the 15. So yeah. So this cool. is over That's 20 cool. foot long cord and it's black and it's got Elon's signature on it. And uh, yeah. And I'll so be purchasing it. Well, I didn't want to call you out, but. Well, you didn't want to call me out, but I'll tell you why I'm purchasing it. Here's uh, what happens. Oh, sad. <laughs> We're going to end on a sad note. So you've got two cars, and you're at your house, and you've got the long Tesla wall charger, and you snake it behind the one car, and you plug it into the other car, and you think Ooh, to that yourself, bad. usually what we do here at the house to make sure that the person who is most proximal to the wall charger doesn't drive over the wall charger is that we sort of put it up on the car, like put it over the trunk, put it over the top of the car so that when you go out to take one of the Teslas out, you don't rip it out of the other car. And mm. I, because I'm an intelligent man, like, oh, it'll be fine. I just laid it on the ground. One of the other family members took the proximal car and backed up and then heard this <laughs> and thought to themselves, self, that's not good. So you're lucky that it ripped out of the wall because it could have ripped out of the car. It ripped right? out of like the car. Actually, that, that it didn't been... rip out of the car. It just sort of snapped in the car and it didn't wreck the charging in the car. It just took the end of the charger itself and snapped it. So the so, handle's busted. So the handle is busted. The car is fine. The wall charger bit is fine. But it turns out they don't. I got a soldering iron. They don't sell the just the cordy bit and the end bit. You have to buy the whole wall charger. So I managed yeah. to destroy a $500 at-home charger. And then I called Tom. No, you managed to destroy a $700 charger. Well, it's funny, <laughs> but you can't get it. <laughs> but you know who might when be interested in I called my friends your... here, I'm like, do you have one in the garage? And it turns out that I knew some guys who do a show. Uh -huh. And thankfully, Robert had one 
And I'm you know who might be interested in your busted wall charger is Tony Williams because he's got a company. They make all of those charging adapters and accessories. And this is how a lot of people get the parts, like the cabling and the uh, other bits. Yeah. So it needs definitely needs to be recycled by somebody who knows what they're doing. Because if you know yeah. what you're doing with plastics and electronics, you could fix this thing. I don't know how to do that stuff. Yeah. Who so is this person? That, I'll send you his email, Tony, Tony well, Williams. Free advertising, because I think this recycling thing is good. Give me some free advertising. Just give us a name. Okay. I'm going to look it up right now. Tony. Mm -hmm. We were talking about Tony because he was making adapters so that you could use a Tesla high-powered wall connector with a car that has a J1772 plug. And so it's called. Oh, we didn't do that. Uh, While you're looking it that. up, we didn't do that article that um, said that there was a a problem with right. Tesla chargers. So that if you didn't have a Tesla, but you grabbed an adapter, you could charge for free off the Tesla network. It was in Europe. It was a an Asian fellow who was doing a video that showed that he was charging. I think it was a Renault he was driving. And he had driven up to a Tesla supercharger in Europe. It might have been Germany that had the dual heads, right? It had the CCS uh, plug. And mm -hmm. he plugged it into his car and it was charging. It was without anything. I, might, no, I thought there was supposed to be a handshake. It was pretty impressive. Like there's a software issue that it's not checking and he was charging without getting charged. Classic. Maybe it didn't speak French. Yeah. Hey, très bien. This is very nice. Uh, now, why uh, this accent? I don't know oh, what. This, what this is this? This has to be cut out of the this show has now to go because, because you did that. this is not French. <laughs> this is an outrageous accent, no, probably is, from Monty Python. This, oh no, that's so that's the Pink so Panther. Ah. It is pink. pink. So That's it's pink. Tony Williams, Quick Charge Power, and they have a very easy to remember website. It's quickchargepower.com. Quick Charge Power. I'm going to go on there and I'm going to see if I can recycle yeah. my broken thing. You're going to just give him a, just hit the, the contact us button, Melvis, and, and see what I he do. has. Just, if he can send me a box right, with got... a shipping label, it's yours. That's all I'm yeah. going to ask. That's all I'm going to ask. Yeah, he still does like uh, conversions for Tesla Roadsters, so they can do. Well, you'll have a box Chatamo. because you'll have the box that that uh, that Robert's about right. to give you. So you you have a box. You just need a label. He's the guy that you got your J seventeen seventy two extender cord. Oh yeah, that was years ago, and that thing has been not used often, but when it's you really need helpful. it, it's delicious. Yeah. He's a cool dude. I use mine at home for the. I use uh, we use ours for the to to charge the uh, the the uh, Volt the the Chevy Volt with the the high powered Tesla wall. And the last cool thing Volt, that I, I got, which is sitting yes. here, is this is my new license plate for my Model Three. It says N B K N Z E R. Are we not supposed to tell people license plate? Nebuchadnezzar. From know. the ne Matrix. Neba, Neba can Hello. Exactly. Go Mel. High five. Thank you. That is the, that is the, sh that's Morpheus's ship. <laughs> Nerd alert. Nerd alert. I, I only Nerd saw that movie Nerd 800 times. I only saw it 800 times. I may have seen it almost as many. The one who knew 
or the one whose license plate's about to have Nebuchadnezzar on But look it. at this. It's not a it's not the typical thing. Look at what I'm doing. I'm what is bending that? What is it. that? What is that? Is that fake? No, this is for real. This is authorized by the Highway Patrol and the Department of Motor Vehicles, and it's coming to a state near you. So many of us who have Teslas just are very uncomfortable drilling into the front bumper and sticking on license plate frames because it just messes up the lines of the front of your beautiful car. So I went to license plate wrap. They're not, I, did, I paid for this full price. I mean, I... I wanted them to give me something, but, you know, I'm not very good at that. So I went and I paid for it full price. Once I got my license plate, I asked them. They're connected with the Department of Motor Vehicles, and they created this perfect replica of my front license plate in a sticker that I can now just stick on the bumper of the front of my car. They say avoid the radar, whatever, but it's it's just almost idiot proof. I haven't put it on yet because I was waiting for my <laughs> HOV uh, stickers. Almost. And now I've got all so this of them. Is legal. So this is totally legal, totally legal. And you have that license plate, Nebuchadnezzar. I do. You are the biggest curdler. <laughs> and I would like to go over there. If you're in the room right now with me right now, I would just slap a big sloppy kiss on you because that is the geekiest, <laughs> most wonderful thing. I wish I had that. I wish I had that. I'm so glad I'm not in the room. <laughs> I know it'd be uncomfortable for some people, but uh, hey, not uncomfortable because like just because you said sloppy, like you could kiss the no, man. No, I mean that be deserves like, a sloppy, very sloppy kiss. Okay. That is I mean, so it's geeky. It's the Matrix. It's it's not the best movie. Oh, ever shut made. up! It's wonderful. Shut up right now. Well, I should have put in my my um, list of media picks the new Christopher Nolan movie. Tenet, which I did drive 50 miles to go see in IMAX. But if you asked me what it was about, I couldn't explain it to you. It's the only movie I have seen that I cannot produce a spoiler because I still don't understand it all. It's My head is was so pretzled afterwards that I, uh, I ended up reading the whole Wikipedia synopsis, and it was very accurate about what happened, but I still can't tell you what happened. Well, I felt that about if, The Matrix. Okay, I couldn't you, get my head around The Matrix forever, yes. and now it's like simple. Like, now I totally get it. Right. Because you've seen it but 19 you, times. 1900 times. Yeah. But if you knew this lunatic actually went to a movie theater in the middle of all of this, would you have allowed him in your house? No. What is going You know what? I, uh, the day that they opened the theaters, I went online. It was like at a Regal Theater in Yorba Linda. And it was like the nearest mm-hmm. IMAX. And I looked at their grid of how many people were in the theater. And literally for the first two days, there wasn't anyone who went to the theater. At least not with any kind of like head, you know, 10 hour ahead of time. So I went on a Friday at 11.30 in the morning. How often have you been to a theater at Nobody's going to go to that. Right. And when I got there, there wasn't even anybody to check my ticket. I just walked in and I went to the toilet and then I went into the theater and there was, it's a big theater. I have a picture of me in the theater. There was nobody you could see around me. There were like nine people in this theater. That was it. And I had my mask on. We're all far apart. It's a brand new theater. The air was very cold. So I put on a sweater, a lot of air circulation. I felt perfectly safe. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, uh, okay. what was the, uh, the movie? Uh, Inception. Thank you. Same guy, right? 
Wow, how did he do that? Because he, we're on the same thing. He snapped his finger twice, that's, didn't say anything. That's why the show he sucks when we're not in the studio together. Inception. <laughs> now, I've seen that 50 times, and I'm just starting to get it. Yeah. is You might have to watch the, this new one 100 times. It would take... I want, I'm already ready to go back and see it again. So, um, if you guys are interested... I just watch shows about tacos, man. I totally get them every time. It's like first, oh, that's a taco. That looks delicious. <laughs> we, I should get. We're breaking a record I should get here. one. We're, we're like at hour two, two hours and thirty minutes. It's because I love we goes, miss each I'm other. Done. I'm miss, done. We miss each other. All right. Well, we'll see you next Tuesday. And uh, if you're still listening to this show, Why? seriously, go watch the Matrix again or yes. Yes. You know what? Matrix we, Four. Can we just can we just talk about what? that for a second? What? Oh, what? Keanu Reeves yeah. is doing the fourth movie in the Matrix trilogy, so it's no it's a oh! quadrilogy. And he's like Equilogy. it's the best of it's the best of all of them. He's super excited about it. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the best trilogy of can I say this? I'm gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it's the best sci-fi trilogy ever. And uh it's gonna be a quadrilogy. Best sci-fi trilogy ever. We may get the most. Oh, hate we'll mail get a lot of hate mail for, for that, that particular statement than we've had for any of the other bullshit we've ever it's talked a about. Oh, I, could, I could talk about doing terrible things to entire populations of people, but I just said that the <laughs> Matrix is the best trilogy. No, it's trilogy. a it's a tetralogy. Tetralogy of Fallot. Exactly. It's a comp a tetralogy is a compound work that is made up of four distinct works. Tetralogy. I didn't actually feel like you could get any geekier, but you guys both it's managed to do it in like a really short amount tri- of time. Tetralogy of Fallot. Tetralogy. There's an overriding aorta and there's a whole Tetralogy of Fallot is a pediatric uh, condition. Let's not get too involved in this that is particular. A tetralogy this is of crazy. Keanu. There's multiple trailers <laughs> for the Natrix Four. Yeah, I was somewhere. I don't remember when, but I saw they were. Fil- oh, I know where it was. I was in San Francisco, and I was on the waterfront, and I was talking to a guy, and uh, there was a big production company there, and we were just chatting with one of the drivers, and he's like, "We're filming Matrix." Ah, and you know what? Now I remember there was something on Twitter where they were wired. They were on wires and they were they were jumping from building to building. They showed these stuntmen doing these like literally, uh, I don't know, 300 feet between skyscrapers with real people. It was Couldn't crazy. you CGI that? What's going on? Yeah, no. I mean, like Nolan did. Um, he did very little CGI. Almost all of I think all of the stunts were done with real people in uh, Tenet, which was crazy since it's all about entropy and reversing time and going back and forth. And I'm getting confused but, again. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, nerd alert! The show is uh, right. talking Tesla. It's 181, and uh, we'll see you again soon. We need to come out more often because people are getting upset. The this this summer slowdown, I've been getting too much shit about it. Yeah, I agree. Hey, we we got lives to live. I know we have. Uh, there's lives to live. It's a pandemic. I'm back off, everybody. Back. Right.
all right we'll see you in a week and then we'll see from there if we can go another maybe we'll if if uh, if, if, if time allows i mean you got two and a half hours right here just listen to it now like listen to half of it and it's and then listen to and the you can't half. possibly understand it the first time so go Listen to it like 12 times. <laughs> listen to it twice. I mean, it's not going to make any more sense the second time you listen to it. We're ridiculous. It's just <laughs> silly. We don't even, none of these numbers that we pull out, they're not real. Yeah. We just make this stuff up. We're not journalists. This is for your entertainment. Really, it's for our entertainment more than anything. So you're welcome. You're lucky we recorded it all. We talk about this stuff nonstop. Right. Does that make us does that make us a fanalist if we're not a journalist? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I don't know what that word means, so I don't want to say yes to that. <laughs> I don't want to be on record as saying yes to that. All right. See goodbye. Ya. Out. Bye.